Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday is here. Welcome to the Wise Guys. It's the best night of the week up until football season when it'll be just one of the best nights of the week. Dave McCann and Brian Logan in for Blaine tonight. We've got a lot going on. We encourage you to uh, check in on the live stream and follow us on YouTube. We'll put a link in the chat as we always do. Hit the subscribe button. It's all free. Click on the bell. You'll get your notifications whenever we post something new or when we go live. And the more subscribers we get, the happier our wives are. And uh, so do that, please, at YouTube. And then we got a lot waiting for you at ysguys.com. Below. I'm still looking for one of those. Yeah, well, this show's going to help that. <laughs> I think so. You know, I, I was um, on Sports Nation last time with you, yeah. and um, I had mentioned that, and I got a lot of comments and DMs about, um, you know, sisters and friends that were single. So Potential young ladies. This is, you know, this is like, this is, this is better than any dating app that I've, <laughs> I've used previously. So it's like a self-help <laughs> show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, it's good to have you be the host of a self-help show. Right. That helps, right? It <laughs> right. helps us all. Exactly. So exactly. at ysguys.com, uh, you can subscribe for our weekly email. That's free. You get highlights from the show. And that's also where you can go and find all our previous interviews and we've had like 61 of them um and um they include danny ainge marie osmond jimmer fredette sherry do she was on with us a couple weeks ago it was awesome ty detmer amber whiting mark pope kyle van noy who uh visited the ravens this week uh we'll see where he lands as a free agent jay hill justin enna gennaro guilford sione puha kelly popinga fessy sataki's been here harvey unga the new dad has been with us and many others are all waiting for you at ysguys.com we're going to add two cool ones again tonight with steve clark the tight ends coach and jen rockwood the soccer coach at byu as they get ready for seasons which by the way below first practices for both are a week from today. When you are a week out from your practices at BYU, were you pumped or were you scared, nervous? Um, so my, my first year, I was, I was nervous. I was scared because of, uh, you know, the stuff I heard from, from my teammates and, and how crazy it was going to be, you know, coming from junior college to, to Division One, And I wasn't really excited about running up the Y and then having to come back down and still practice. I thought that was kind of uh, uh, crazy. And idiotic. I shouldn't have said that. So I'm I'm sorry, Bronco. If you listen, um, I thought it was I thought it was crazy um, to to do that. But uh, going to my senior year, having that experience, and um, you know, somewhat of a successful junior year, I was I was excited. Yeah, you know? should we, be. We know when you when you know what you're doing, it you have fun, right? Right. When you don't know, what it's you're the doing. fear of the unknown. Like the freshman come in, Mark Wilson said he was scared to death, right? And had never thrown a non-rubber football. And here's a uh, all-American NFL two two-time Super Bowl champion, but he said he was stood over by a tree, scared to death <laughs> as to how he's going to survive here at BYU, and he survived okay. Yeah, he did fantastic. So that's all going down a week from today. Practice will be here. The players uh, report on Monday, and uh, and then we'll be in the business. So tonight, Steve Clark, tight ends coach, going to join us in a few minutes. Uh, and then later, Jen Rockwood, as soccer gets ready for a season. The poll hasn't come out yet, but we expect them to be picked to win. 
yeah. the Big 12 and contend with TCU. So that's there. And and then the Big 12 announces the uh, schedule mix of the matrix for men's and women's basketball. And so we'll talk about it. We don't have the dates, but we know where BYU is going and who's coming in here. And it's all Big 12. And that makes it all very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wish uh, we had a chance for Texas and Oklahoma. You know, I, I saw the saw the schedule and you know, it's obviously you want to play brand brand name schools, and and we get that being the Big Twelve, but we know that those guys are leaving next year, right? So yeah. being able to play, I'm happy we got to play them in football before they before they left, but you know, wish we had opportunities with with basketball. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I think we're just happy to be we're just happy to be in a conference and happy to, to uh, you know have a home. Shout out to John from Harriman, uh, Kay Porter checking in from South Jordan, still waiting on Singapore and Japan and Columbia and Alaska, everybody. Uh, uh, we look forward to having you join us here on the show. Three on three sports, by the way, listed the most starts by active FBS quarterbacks. Let's run down the list. Pretty interesting. And BYU is on that top five list, and that got our attention. Yes. Yeah, number one is Bo Nix with 47 um, at Oregon. Yeah, and he's but, back. He's back this year, ready to go. I think the Ducks are. Yeah. they got big plans with him. He he looked good against us, you know. Yeah. Last and then year. he got hurt, and then he didn't look so great. You know, it's amazing yeah. how health makes you helps you look good. You know, it's also amazing is that um, you know traditionally BYU usually has one game where we make somebody look like an All American, <laughs> like it's like an All Pro. It's just all yeah. in, in, in every well, in, well in football definitely, but you know, in, in basketball at times too. Um, and then coming in number two is Sam Hartman uh, at Notre Dame with 45 starts. And he's transferred over from Wake Forest. Yep. Um, Jaden Daniels, 43 starts, LSU. Was that the same Jaden Daniels that we knocked around who was at Arizona State? I think it oh, is. That, yeah, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's found a home over there, well, LSU. Good for, good for him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Our hearts go out. Our, our Come to Provo, get beat, then you can do what you want. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, then you have Spencer uh, Sanders. At Ole Miss, he has 42 starts. Uh, Keaton Slovis comes in at five with 37 starts. Um, and 34 of those 37 were against P5 schools. Yeah, that's gold. Yeah. That's gold taking a program in. And, and, and Dylan Gabriel, uh, UCF's quarterback, he's got 37. So he and Keaton are tied at number five. So BYU's got that going for him heading into, into the Big 12. Timothy is with us from Perth, Australia. Checking in from down under. Timothy, thanks for watching the show. Heartland College Sports, by the way, they ranked the Big 12 running backs. And uh, Brian Clinton put the list together. He went with Texas at number one. Jonathan Brooks and Cedric C.J. Baxter will deal with them in October. He's got BYU at number seven in the Big 12 with Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith, Hinkley Rapati, and Miles Davis. So you've got a guy who's not a BYU guy who's putting BYU's running backs in the middle of mm-hmm. the Big 12. Yeah. And that caught our attention. Yeah, I, th- I think I think anybody with the characteristics, um, the skill sets, and, and then the performance and the stats that uh, Aiden Robinson had last year, I think <laughs> easy to see that as well. Especially if you, if you take a look at him. I was at a photo shoot um, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I didn't know that that was – that Aiden Robinson was Aiden Robinson. There was a whole bunch of linemen there, and he, I mean, he wasn't, you know, big like a lineman, but he was just as tall, just as wide. And the whole time I, th- I thought he was a lineman. And so I realized <laughs> who he was, and I was like, and this is the first time I've, I've heard reports from you. and Such and a nice Mason. guy. 
I'm I'm telling you, like he he is a physical specimen. Um, I can't wait to see, you know, what he does uh, with with this offensive line. Um, you know, going going up against opponents and having an offensive line and and, and you know UNLV what he had last year compared to this one is is going to be day and night. So it's just, it's interesting to see. But I think I think that's what you know when when writers and reporters when they look at you know um, uh, talent and they and they look at uh, body of work. I mean, he he obviously stands out. I like Hinkley as well, um, especially in, in in the past game. What he did um, coming out the back of the field with screens and uh, Boise had no idea he was as fast as he was. I had, I had no idea, you know, he was <laughs> as fast and as shifty. Um, but getting him in space is is obviously, obviously going to be a benefit, you know, for the offense. So, um, and then Miles Davis. I mean, I think I think we were all going crazy over him. Um, within the first, what, one to two weeks when he started to come out and uh, him being able to have, you know, good vision, uh, making one cut and then, you know, yeah. driving down. He, he reminded me a lot of, of, of Jamal Williams, but he also reminded me of, of Tyler Algier at times as well, being able to have clear vision, put the foot in the ground and then, you know, show that, that speed. Steven's with us for the first time uh, from Brigham City. First time for the live show. Steven, good to have you here. And uh, Gerald's watching from Fresno. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, and, uh, and keep letting us know where you're dialing in from. It's all making Steve Clark nervous as he, uh, as he listens. And he's just moments away. The conference preseason favorites. Uh, here's who the, how it looks. Big 12's got Texas. SEC's got Georgia. Big 10 today announcing Michigan is their number one preseason team. The ACC starts tomorrow with their media days. It'll either be Clemson or Florida State. Yeah. Uh, USC heads the Pac-12. Uh, Boise State uh, tops the Mountain West Conference. Arkansas, by the way, is picked fifth in the SEC West Division. BYU's at Arkansas on September 16th. We've talked about it that you know, there's got to be a lot of folks who aren't surprised if BYU goes in there and beats them. No, it, it's it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, what's what's interesting is is even though we say that, we still see it as a tough opponent, right? I mean, it's SEC, and and we saw what happened last year. But for them to still be ranked, you know, fifth in their conference, and for us to say. Or, or projected fifth, right? For us to say, man, this is going to be a tough challenge. Let you know, you know the the the, the type of talent that we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, when, when plus it comes we to that saw game. their we saw them last year in the quarterbacks back, and the running backs back, and uh, and they're the home team this time. Yeah. But uh, I think it's going to be a fun fun one for for both sides. That's on uh, prime time ESPN two, BYU at Arkansas Conference USA preseason poll. They got Sam Houston picked eighth. In their first year at Division One, the Bearcats will be here September 2nd, 8:15 Mountain on FS1. Game day starts at 6 on BYU TV. Now, Athlon came out with their Big 12 Bowl predictions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you know, BYU's picked 11th in the preseason poll by the media. Um, Athlon thinks 10 Big 12 teams are going to bowl games. So BYU's on this list. If they weren't on this list, we probably wouldn't have time for the list. <laughs> but we've got time for the list. So let's run down. This is who Athlon thinks is going bowling and where out of the Big 12. Yeah, so for Texas, they have in a New Year's Six Bowl going to the Cotton Bowl. Which uh, you know that that makes sense. Um, you have Oklahoma, the Alamo Bowl, Pop Tarts, Kansas State, 
I never knew we had a Pop-Tarts Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's the bowl you want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> the Pop-Tarts. When it pays out like $8 million bucks, and I think you get all the Pop-Tarts you want. Oh, really? That's yeah. $8 million? Something yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely go for that, for the $8 <laughs> million, not the Pop-Tarts. Um, Texas, the Texas Bowls, TCU, Liberty Bowl, Oklahoma State, Guaranteed Rate Bowl, uh, Texas Tech, Armed Forces Bowl, Kansas, First Responder Bowl, Baylor, Independence Bowl, UCF, and then Frisco Bowl, BYU versus Air Force. In the Frisco Bowl, that's that's back down there in in Texas, um, not far from. It's not at uh, Cowboy Stadium, it's but it's over there at the Cowboys other stadium, I believe. Okay. Um, when you're the Cowboys, you have two. Yeah, and right. So right. I think that I think that that that's right. But they've got BYU and Air Force. I don't like Here's that. Ma- I don't like that matchup. I, I, I you look like, at the matchup, and I thought, you know what, the, the fact that BYU's on the list. To qualify for a bowl game in their first year of the Big 12, that's that, what I like. That's a good point. And then I saw Air Force, and they're back being okay, you know, these yeah. days. But I think uh, – uh, we'll ask Steve Clark, but I think that the goal of being bowl eligible is a big one Yeah. going into this schedule that BYU's never seen before, which includes 10 straight P5 opponents. So Athlon's got them going bowling, which – which I think is pretty cool. I, I get a little bit like flashbacks and, and uh, a little PTSD when I see Air Force. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, start, I cover my knees. That, up, that's you the, know. They're not the same Air Force <laughs> that you had to deal with. But uh, and Neil uh, is with us from Battleground, Washington. Neil, thanks for checking in with the wise guys. FBSschedules.com ranks the Big 12. Uh, and they went through who has the toughest schedule, who has the, the easiest schedule. And the toughest schedule they went with, Iowa State which is actually ranked number four nationally. Not Iowa State, but their schedule is ranked the fourth toughest. They got Northern Iowa, Iowa, at Ohio, Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma, TCU, at Cincinnati, at Baylor, Kansas, at BYU on November 11th, Texas, and Kansas State. So according to FBSschedules.com, that's the toughest of all the Big 12 teams. Then I thought, well, what's the easiest? Who might have that? And they're saying Oklahoma State. Yeah, and um, there's just 62 nationally. Uh, Central Arkansas at Arizona State, South Alabama at Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas at West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma at UCF, at Houston, and then BYU, which is November 25th. Thanksgiving weekend in Stillwater. After further review, by the way, just wrapped up on BYU TV before we came on the air, featuring the dangerous duo tonight, Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua, our season premiere. And you can watch that anytime on the BYU TV app. Next Tuesday is AFR's annual touchdown show. That's all the touchdowns from 2023. Nice. Five o'clock mountain on the BYU TV app. Just before an all new wise guys, the touchdown show is awesome because you can't not feel good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if, if you're having your worst day, turn on the touchdown show. You watch right. it for a few minutes. You go, okay, I think I can make it. Uh, well, you know, I think, I think it also can give you a little bit of hope as well for, you know, to see some of the returning guys that, that made touchdowns and made some big plays just to, to realize, you know what, we got these guys coming back. They have a little bit more experience. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a lot more health. And so, yeah, you know, it, it could help fans become a little bit more hopeful. Our first guest tonight has been coaching the tight ends at BYU since 2016. Before that, he was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Weber State and Southern Utah. Before that, he was a defensive assistant at Utah. It's our pleasure to welcome Steve Clark to the Wise Guys. Thanks for being here. Good. 
good to, good to be here, and I'm glad Fowler's not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blaine had a lot of questions, and uh, and then he had to be, he was out of town doing nothing. By the way, he's just out of town doing nothing. Yeah, sure. But he didn't, uh, he, he didn't want to face me. <laughs> he scared of me. Hey, how has the um, experience of running an offense, coaching quarterbacks, and coaching defense helped you focus on how to help a tight end become the best he can be? Well, I think it's uh, you, coaching defense. You know how to, you know how to stop them. You know yeah. it's hard for them. You know jamming the tight ends and rerouting the tight ends. Um, and as a quarterback, you know, quarterback coach, you're you're teaching the quarterbacks. You know how, what they're going to do, how they work to get open. They they're a little different than receivers in that they use they use their bigger bodies. Um, they don't get wide open, but they're always open just because of their their size so so throw it to them they'll they'll make the play yeah um you know what's, what's interesting about this question um my senior year was completely different compared to my junior year and um i think a lot of it had to do with with me just being in the film room but but also studying receivers and and talking to some of the guys that i was close with and trying to get in their minds and understanding you know when you ran this type of route why did you do that right yeah. and um i always thought if I went over and trained for maybe a little bit and, and you know, just picked up on, on you know, certain little nuances of, of running routes and, and, you know, breaking down, if that would help me, you know, trans, transfer over to helping me uh, guarding receivers, would you recommend that Absolutely. For, for you guys? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I spend a lot of time talking to the safeties. Um, they both asking me, you know, what's hard on a tight end and then me asking them what's hard on a safety mm. Absolutely, um, I, I've I've watched film with with defensive guys. Just to, they want to know why we're doing what we're doing, um, and that's a big part of coaching um, kids these days. They want to know why you're doing things, yeah. and so uh, if they're a lot better when they know why you're doing it, or why you're releasing that way, why you're trying to get this that kind of leverage. Um, they're reading stances, you know, splits. There's so much to it, and um, the more that you can learn about the other side, the better off you're going to be. That's that's, a, that's another really good point too. So when when Bronco took over in 2010, um, he would in, in practice he would say, "Hey, I'm calling this play. If I call this play, think double move." And I was so amazed, and I was like, "Why is this taking a year and a half <laughs> yeah. for me to understand this concept?" And so throughout every single practice, he would you know call a play and associate it with this is what i think the offense is going to do yeah yeah and and you know we're we're looking at uh you know pre-snap pre-snap reads we're looking at shells there's so much going on pre-snap that that gives you clues not every time it's not always right but you're getting clues of you know what they're gonna right and and fronts i mean fronts match with coverages so Mm. you get this front you're gonna probably get this coverage so there's a lot to it. Yeah. Hey, Kay Porter uh, writes, uh, hey, Coach Clark, great man. My family and I have known him since he was at Provo High School. He had a great impact on all my kids. So you got friends here tonight. Yeah, Provo Bulldogs. That's the, that's the, the uh, high school of champions right there. Yeah, so. all 10 of them cans are at Orem Tigers. Yeah. yeah, we're not the school of champions. <laughs> we're not. We're okay. 
We had radio station KOHS. That's why I'm here today. It wasn't because of championships. <laughs> but uh, That's nice of him to say. I appreciate yeah. that. Hey, Matt Bushman was your tight end before Isaac Rex. Led the team in receiving in 17, 18, and 19. Prime for a huge 2020 before a season-ending injury on the last day of practice. In Aaron Roderick's offense, how vital is the tight end spot? It, it's... <laughs> It's, it's very vital. And if you talk to, you know, we watch a lot of uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we see what they do with their tight ends. And, and uh, um, Andy Reid calls them the, the do-it-all guys. The, you know, you have a, a, a different formation, it's the tight ends doing it. You have a different motion, it's the tight ends doing it. Um, you have a different protection the tight ends do it. You're, you're so tied into everything that the O-line is doing, everything that the receiver's doing, uh, outside receiver, slot receiver, and then we have our own route trees as a tight end. There's so much to it. Um, so it's, uh, and, you know, I'm the tight ends coach, so yeah. of yeah. course I'm going to say that they're <laughs> vital. Um, yeah, I do. That's why I said how vital, not just vital, because I know we... Like on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, 11 or <laughs> eleven or 12. Um, so, you know, a lot of offenses you see nowadays in the spread stuff, they don't use them. Um, but in this offense, you know, we don't leave the field. You know, there's always one, sometimes two, sometimes three on the field. And, you know, it... it Putting a tight end in line, putting two tight ends in line, putting a tight end in a wing, it ca- creates ex- extra gaps that, that defenses have to account for. And, you know, I, you know, to drop the safety down, now it, it opens up the pass game. Glenn from the Philippines with us on The Wise Guys. Thank you, Glenn, and good morning. Uh, Maggie Clark on YouTube asked a question. Hey, ask Coach Clark if he can shred on the guitar. Does that feel like that feels like an inside baseball question? Uh, tell Maggie that I was just doing it about a half hour ago and she heard <laughs> You're it. You're talking oh, okay. to Maggie right okay. now. Oh, is this, we know who this Maggie is. <laughs> that is my daughter, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie, welcome knows, to the show. She knows I can shred. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice. Um, I, I, you know, I've always had this question. You know, no, I've been done playing 12 years now. It was easier when I was playing to, to figure out the rotation of tight ends based off and, and what the play was going to be based off of the tight end that came in. Right. So, um, you know, having obviously the formation is one thing, but then having a certain guy knowing, OK, you know, this is the stud, you know, kind of receiver guy. This is the, the blocker um, as, as an offense. You know, naturally, you're going to have certain guys that fit those roles. But how do you disguise that, you know, from a, from a defense perspective? That's a great question. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a off off air um, off, offline. Question? No, it's it's I spend a lot of time during the week. So we, we we start making our call sheet Tuesday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. We start making our call sheet. I start personnelling it those nights. So. I have to make sure that this guy's not in every time we run that concept. Mm-hmm. Even though he might not be the best one that runs that concept, I have to mix it up because they're so clued in on, okay, Ethan Erickson's in, we're spreading it, we're going to run right. s- speed option, which I saw as a tendency watching it last year oh. recently. So... Um, you know, Isaac's in or Mason's in. They're 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 in a running. I mean, that. But that also shows you the importance of the tight ends when you can do both at the same time. Right. When you can run the ball, you can throw with them in there. You can disguise. 
what you're doing, but that's something that, that we're well, well aware of going into the game. Okay, we can't put these two in at the same time. They'll know yeah. something's coming. So we, we are constantly changing it and mixing it up. Um, we have a whole – we have, probably have 15 different personnel um, packages that we use um, a w- in a week. Yeah, I, th- I think that does define – you know how important, right? The the tight end position yeah. is, and I think especially when you think about kids growing up um, nowadays. I mean, everything is really specialized, right? Yeah. Um, and, and their trainings are not only just you know speed and and quickness, but it's specific to their position, right? Um, and so I, I almost wonder how how can a kid, or I guess that the, again adds the value of a tight end, if they can, you know, learn all the the different you know, nuances that a tight end needs to be from being split out, from being, you know, um, you know, connected to the box and then being able to, to block as well. So it's, it's getting harder to find because uh, high schools are kind of shying away from a tight end. So we're looking for big, the bigger receivers that we feel have the ability, have the toughness to be able to come in and, and put their hand in the grounds, but also be able to run the, you know, still run the routes that – so we bring them in, and they're about 200 pounds. And we, and, you know, I tell them 230. That's that's a, yeah. the least you can weigh. <laughs> and and Mason Wake really took that to heart and uh, yeah. jumped up to like 280. Um, wow! So does it affect his leaping ability, <laughs> Mason Wake, at 280? He knows what I'm telling him right now. If he's listening. <laughs> uh, is, is it is it um, possible? Or have you thought of going maybe the other way around and maybe recruiting a uh, maybe a athletic you know power forward yeah yeah both that too that's gonna be my next one um so when you take a when you take a receiver and put them at tight end that's kind of a that's kind of disrespectful but you take a tackle and put them at tight end (laughs) that's a that's a huge jump and that's they they love that yes we have um we have uh, anthony olson who's on our team uh played one year football but was a basketball player and so yeah, we we do that. I mean, some of the greatest tight ends of all time were, were Antonio Gates, mm-hmm. basketball player. Um, trying to think of the other uh, tight ends that were that way. They just they brought him in, never played high school or college, mm-hmm. and made him made him tight ends. They're good power forwards. I mean, Carl Malone would have been a yeah great yeah. tight end. He would have been all right. You know, they <laughs> they work <laughs> they work in tight spaces. They're used to the contact and. And having to fight for the I'm, ball. I'm assuming that the transition may be harder because it's, it means going from one sport versus a, a position. But maybe once the development is is finalized, you get a better product from a basketball player. I think so. I, I think so. Um, the 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 route running and patch catching is no problem. It's the physical aspect mm. of the leverage aspect of it the you know there's so much in the in the in the run game in the pass protection are you saying games. basketball players are soft i'm not saying that <laughs> the mailman the mailman yes, wasn't yeah, soft yeah. forrest gump 12 with us from houston tonight byu tight ends coach steve clark's our guest on the wise guys live on youtube facebook twitch and ysguys.com let's talk about isaac rex for a moment six six he takes over for bushman in 2020 becomes a freshman all-american finishes tied for the most touchdowns by a tight end in the country with 12 what'd you see in isaac then and then we'll bring it to what you're seeing right now um what i see in isaac is 
that combination of being able to do to do both to having the tenacity of you know getting in the ugly trenches but also uh, being good enough to um to get out and and get open and 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 play in the open field his the best thing about isaac is i think is his catch radius he's got long arms he he's got really good hands um and i think he's you know i think he's um second all time in the tight end touchdown and t- i think he needs two to break the yeah the record he's got and, 21 already for his career and uh, i get a uh, hundred thousand dollar bonus as soon as that happens <laughs> you know pitt is gonna say hey i didn't have a covid season you know that's the first phrase that's gonna be out of pitt's oh, mouth so well i mean <laughs> tell dennis to, to give me a call when that happens <laughs> Dennis watches the show. He'll be Den- on with he? us next month. Yeah, he's been on before. He's awesome. Uh, and he'll take credit for everything that Isaac does well. Well, he does uh, work with, with yeah. Isaac. And he's been working with a lot of the, right. the t- our tight ends, which, you know, we're thankful for. You know, Dennis was a GA when I was uh, – I was a GA when Jen- Dennis was playing. And, uh, you know, he was – you could tell he was special. But, right. um, you know, took the tough, tough route um, to, to be one of the, the greatest tight ends in, in college football history. So, um, but yeah, Dennis, uh, I'll, I'll text Dennis after I'll let's, split the, let's I'll t- split it with him. <laughs> let's talk about Rex and his ankle. Uh, when we talked to him in spring at the end of spring, he said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fully ready for, uh, for the fall. That ankle injury was so bad at USC at the end of the 2021 season, multiple surgeries and, and all that stuff. He plays last season on a bad ankle. Um, which limits what he can do, but he's got the guts and tenacity to not let you take him out of the game. Uh, so as we sit now a week from where the first practice is, uh, where's he at with his ankle? I think, he's, I think he's improved. I think what you don't notice, what you don't know about Isaac last year is during the, during the game, before the game, he'd get shot. So you know he didn't feel a lot of pain yeah but it was during the week when he had to practice because you can't get shot every day when he was dragging that ankle around uh, I mean I, you can you, can. <laughs> you, you, you can't you but shouldn't. no one's going to but you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. yeah they said that if he did do that that it wouldn't he'd, he'd get a tolerance for it and so on yeah. days, he yeah. wouldn't be able to he would feel it. Right. So he drugged that ankle all yeah. year long. And, and there were times when he could barely walk and practice. And, that, you know, it, it's hard because you can't try things out mm-hmm. on game day. Mm-hmm. So, so he rarely practiced during the he, week. No, he did practice. But there were times we had to say, Isaac, you know, you're, you're limping too much. And, yeah. and you'll probably see him limp some, but he had to really learn, really learn how to walk. <laughs> It's not so much that it's hurting him. It's just it kind of it kind of drops. It's kind of like drop foot. You'll just see it kind of kind of collapse, and it looks like he's limping. But you know, and I'll I ask him. I, he's so sick of me asking him because I ask him a million times. Isaac, are you all right? You gotta tell me. You gotta let me know. And he's like, I'm fine. It just looks it looks worse than it is. But you know, so hopefully he's you know back to as close as he can. I don't think. He'll ever be 100%. He, the, same person, the, the same person that did Dak Prescott, Prescott's uh, surgery, yeah. the same exact mm. injury did Isaac. And, you know, I think Dak was better last year than he was the year before. Yeah. So hopefully right. we're... And, and wasn't the kind of the common thought coming out of the surgeries where this is an 18-month injury? Yeah. 
and and yeah. and we're just right at the tail end of what would be a 18 months yeah. right but he was he was determined to come back and play and we needed him to yeah. and um but i i want to make it clear i did not ever force him right into anything that he didn't feel comfortable with but he never complained he never he still has never complained one time um he he's always i've asked him to practice he's done it i've asked him to go into games he's done it he's never said no i can't i can't do that yeah we, we talked to his dad um a couple months ago that's he, a problem yeah byron <laughs> who was also watches this show hey byron we were asking him we were talking to him and he goes uh, well do you want to ask him he and slovis are watching tv in the next room this was uh, this was in the springtime. This yeah. was just before they had, I think it was just before. Just before spring ball? Lexi had her baby, or might, maybe right after, but it was right around May or April. But mm -hmm. anyway, I think it was after practice because they were down there doing conditioning drills together. Well, they want to <laughs> adopt Slovis. They've, are, they've, they've, <laughs> they've thrown it out there. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I remember you know, talking to his dad, and he said the same thing. Um, and it, it, he he seemed at times he was you know tearing up just because of you know the 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 pain and just the frustration that he saw you know his son um, you know going through throughout the season and I've I've uh, I've seen one player do that um, you know outside of the team so I had just graduated and I remember Riley Nelson was was you know, uh, having a, having a fight day in, day out. And we didn't know that he had like broken ribs or broken back. Right? There was a and, lot of things broken. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I, but I remember just, just the team like rallying around him and even my, my cousin at the time, Joe Sampson, he, he played safety and he would come and tell me stories like, man, like it just, it energizes like no other because, you know, he's the leader of the team and we see him out there with a broken back. So, um, you know, my question to you is, is, you know, what was the, the impact of you know the guys around him when they saw him you know going through his struggles uh well you know i i have two points of reference i remember when matt mushman um in uh a couple of years ago when he blew out his achilles right having calling up practice and having nine guys just sobbing um and and you know having to to rally him back um this Isaac's happened at the end of the season, so it really didn't affect us as much as as Matt's did. Um, but but yeah, there were um, you know we, I I talked to my my guys our room. I mean, if you talk to us, we we, we there's no excuses. Mm -hmm. you, this next guy needs to, he might not be as good, but he's going to be as tough. And he's going to be as mentally as tough. And he's going to go out there and he's going to fight. And and that's the best thing we can we could have done for Isaac at that time is mm -hmm. go out there and and fight and and we did and and Mason Wake played a position that he rarely plays in that game and did great and um, could have scored a touchdown but instead he wants to run over <laughs> five or six people and so he does he's got to get over that um, but that's that's what's expected and and it's out of respect for for Isaac and Isaac's a team leader but doesn't say. He doesn't say he doesn't say much, but when he does, <laughs> they're listening. Kevin from Orem is with us tonight. Sam checking in from Bakersfield, California. Thanks, Sam. Last, uh, what potential do you see with Rex and Slovis? I know they've been spending all summer working on timing and all of those things. From from Rex's coach's perspective, what, what's the potential there? So you know they they have their player run practices during June and, and July, and they've they've had great 
chemistry. They're they're locked into each other, but you don't know till it's eleven guys. Right. And and Keaton has a, a rush coming at him. Then we'll find out what kind of uh, you know chemistry they have when the when the bullets are live when it really matters. <laughs> um, and hopefully you know Isaac can become a you know security blanket for for Keaton. And that's kind of what tight ends do. They're kind of uh, a guy you can go too quick if you have to, and um, hopefully Isaac can, and all the tight ends can can be that for the, for our quarterbacks. Rex had uh, 22 receptions, 320 yards, and six touchdowns last year. Before that, 18 of 18 catches for 191 and three touchdowns. As a freshman, 37 receptions for 429 and 12 touchdowns. Tied for most among all tight ends in the country, as we mentioned a moment ago. What what kind of numbers do you want to see, do you expect to see from Rex now back healthier than he's been since before the USC game? What I want and expect are <laughs> – I want him to have 100 catches and 50 touchdowns. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't coach him that way. I coach him to get open. Mm. You know, I don't want to say – he needs to have this this many catches because that puts that puts pressure on yeah. quarterback and and I, they have enough to do and that's not my job my job is to to coach them to get open and and to make the catch and if we're doing that if we're getting open that's really all we can do we can't do any more than that um and you know it puts a lot of added pressure on the quarterback to to say well we want more targets but we always do but but I'm not gonna put a number on it. Maybe if you put a number on like um, an incentive, like hey, if you give me X amount of targets, I'll give you some of my. That's where Byron NIL. Rex comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rex knows all about buying passes from Ty Detmer. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so camp starts, um, you know, next Tuesday. I'm excited because football starts, and I'm no longer gonna be um, bored. But yet, I don't have to put my body through, you know, the, the pain anymore. Um, as a as a coach, what's what's the uh, excitement like, you know, from from this perspective? Um, well, the excitement from my perspective is I start getting really agitated. You ask my wife; she's right over here. She tell you I start getting a little bit agitated, uh, um, a little bit more pensive. Um, you know, it's it's it's. It's fun, but also, you know, it's there's a lot to it. There's a lot that goes into it, and so you look forward to it. But, um, you know, you have to to realize it's a long season, and you have to take it, you know, day by day. I know no one wants to hear that. I mean, you talk about bowl games in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I'm looking for next Tuesday. We're going to have a practice with helmets on. Uh, we need to be do the be the best that we can be right. and coach them the best that we can be and, and, you know, just build on each day. And, um, but it's, you know, it's a tough season. I mean, it's a long season. Last year was probably my, the hardest season I've ever, <laughs> one of the hardest I've ever been around. And, um, why is that? Well, you know, the, the four game losing streak, I mean, right. you start off yeah. four and one and then, yeah. and then you see it week after week after week. And, you know, you're you're fighting. Uh, you you know, you're fighting to keep guys believing each week, which I think they did. Um, but it's 
you know, that, that stress builds up. I mean, people say, what's the best party job of winning? What's the worst party job losing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do you think it's going to be different with the big 12 or, or, or being in a conference? Because, you know, those, those, whenever we lost a game during conference, we still had our goals, right? Yeah. Especially early in the season. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to me about that, how, what that effort is going to look so, like. So, uh, Coach, Coach Roderick, Aaron, talks about that all the time, saying, hey, you know, you lose a game, you're still in it. Uh, when you're independent, you lose a game, you're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then you, each week you throw up, this is what so-and-so did, this is where we're standing. You, you have that, that goal, okay, we need to move up, um, you know, it, 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 so you have the you have a goal and you have something you can measure yourself against. Right. Well, you didn't have that at independence. I mean, you just you, you just had to go undefeated. You had to go undefeated, and sometimes that wasn't even and enough. You had to w- take a game w- on three days' notice, and sometimes that wasn't enough. And they told us, "Look, you're going to go play this. The chances of you going to a New Year's Six, even if you win that, are still pretty slim." Yeah. So there was. It, it was, was cool great. that you did though, because it was it was one of the great stories of the year. Yeah, it was that was a lot, that year was a lot of fun. Yeah, but you, we were winning we were winning <laughs> yeah. every game. That's why eleven one is always fun. fun. <laughs> so Amber from New York City is with us tonight. Steve Clark's the tight ends coach at BYU on the Wise Guys uh, as BYU prepares for its first season in the Big Twelve. You look at your tight end roster in the room. You got eight. There might be more. That's eight that I came up with. But you got Rex. Ethan Erickson and Mason Wake, those are guys with the most playing experience. Are they your main rotation? You got Jackson Bowers, highly touted kid coming in, a four-star recruit, and a handful of other guys. But is it those first three? Uh, any team would love to have three good tight ends to begin with. Yeah, so we're going to do a little something a little bit different this year. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. <laughs> I, like, you're, you're I, like you your, I like how you you're with friends. Your did, did Suzanne clear that? We're okay with that? Yeah, okay. She said okay. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna split up and and uh, and have two sets of team going at the same time, which we haven't done since I've been here to nice. get guys reps. Mm-hmm. So the first couple practices will be split. We'll be able to get more guys reps. I'll get to see all of them in 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 our team situations. Yeah. Um, and that was my idea. If Jay Hill says it was his idea, beautiful. It was man. not his idea. Okay, we'll follow up with Jay when he comes back on. Uh, but this also gives the receivers, the coach, a chance. To, this gives Fessy, gives right? This everybody, is everybody doing everything. Everybody. You're in helmets, so it's you're not wearing guys thin. Yeah. Um, and so you're getting, you're, getting, you're getting guys reps. And that helps if you get thin. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, they've built up reps, and I can get eight, nine guys. Uh, a full practice. Basically, yeah. yeah, and 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 it's something that um, you know we've learned from from other places. Uh, I think Alabama does it that way. Mm. So, and they're okay. Yeah, they're, right. they're, it seems to work out yeah. for them sometimes. Yeah. How's know? this Bowers kid? Uh, uh, and you signed another four star who's in school, and then he's got a mission. Before I think you'll see him in games. But uh, what is Bowers? Is Bowers here for four? And and on or is he is he a mission kid? What where where's he at? And and how do you bring a young guy like that? Keep him focused and interested enough to develop. Well, we said that that you know, uh, yeah, he'll he'll be here for four years. Okay. Um, uh, 
when we signed Dallin Holker, we didn't think he was going on a mission. We went on one. Guys worked on him. Right. It going. happens. So <laughs> I don't want to say never, but uh, I've been meeting with Jackson um, frequently, um, and he is awesome. And he's picked up this offense as good as, as anybody has. Really? I have high hopes for him. I don't want to put any pressure on him this year because he is new, but uh, he knows it. And, and that's half the battle. Is he good enough to win a spot in, in the next 37 days? Or is he just good enough to be a star before he's done? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying. Because <laughs> I have my... my uh, Opinion, yeah, but yeah. I'm not throwing that. Yeah, don't, don't I'm not throwing that out there. You know, we ask don't we ask a lot of crazy questions. Because, on well, this I show. just you know I, I'm not putting pressure on right. on a freshman. I mean, it's a t- it's a big jump, even if you're a four or five star. It's a big it's a big jump. So, um, well, look, when you have a six six former freshman All American healthy at tight end, the, that's something that the, the the young kid can watch and go, okay, someday I want to be like this. And that's the that's the beauty of an Isaac Rath. That's the beauty of a Mason Wake. That's the beauty of an Ethan Erickson. They've been through the battles. They can go out and, and, and teach those young guys how to do everything that they need to do in this offense, which is a ton. Right. Um, so. Hey, John's got a question. Uh, do the tight ends have to adjust what they're doing when the other quarterbacks come in, like Retzloff, who has a different throwing motion than Slovis? Yes. Is he, is he What's le- it like? What's the difference like? Is he lefty? Is he left? No. No. He just throws it. throws it so hard. Really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, diff- it's a different ball coming out of his hand. So You're making me feel uncomfortable with just how you can <laughs> hear expressions. I tell yeah. him, hey, you have to know when Jake's throwing to you. You have to get your head around and your hands up mm-hmm. faster um, just because it, it comes out, and Jake does not care. It's coming. And he and, just expects him to catch it, yeah, right? Yeah, and uh, love I love Jake, and 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 I'm not complaining. I'm yeah. just that's the way he throws it. That's the way we're gonna catch it. <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you. I mean, have you guys asked him to like you know take it off a no. little bit? No, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I can't wait. For I got me. an nil deal. If you take it off a little bit. <laughs> I can't wait for BYU fans whenever his time comes to see him the ball come out of his hand. It's really? it's it's you know and he's he's still young, he's still yeah. learning. It's his time will come, but it it comes out. It comes out at different angles and you never know. He's got a a good opportunity to learn from Slovis. Yeah. Uh and he talked about that on Sports Nation when we had him on about how valuable that was for him. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on Slovis. He's got a lot of experience. He's been at USC and he's been at Pitt. Now he's at BYU to finish. What have you been most impressed about him since January when he got here? Leadership. He's been a great leader. Got the guys going. Uh, How does a new kid in town become I, a leader? I don't know, but he's done it. <laughs> he took them. Uh, they all went down to St. George. They've, they've, they've bonded together. Um, he has the respect, I think, because he has so many starts at different you know, you come, you're, you're a quarterback at USC. There's some yeah. credibility that comes with that. Yeah. And so, and, and he, and watching him, he demands it without demanding it. Mm. You know, you just are drawn to, to him. And, and he's running the drills, and he's telling them where they're, they're going, and he's telling them how they're running the routes. And 
um, I've been real impressed with his really? his leadership. So this is a, a, a you know chicken for the egg type of question um, when it comes to the quarterback position. Do you think that a quarterback has to be that that born type of leader to have the ultimate success that he could have, or you know can he can it be taught or I, I'm, I'm I almost think that it, it's 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 together. There, like there's this, this synergy between being a quarterback and then being a leader. Like you're almost if you're a leader, you kind of almost are drawn to the position. Obviously, if you have the skill sets right and the characteristics. Um, I just don't know if you can be a quarterback and not be a leader. Well, I think that I've, I've, there's a lot, been a lot of quarterbacks I've been around who have talked the talk, but mm. they get into the games and then it's not. And, yeah. and guys are going to follow those that can perform. Once they show they can perform, they can pretty much say whatever they want, but they have to be playing at the high, highest level. They do that. I mean, I, the the players want a guy that leads by example. Yeah. Or a couple more that. questions with Steve Clark, and then we're going to hit you up with five quick ones and get you out of here. I think it's date night, and Suzanne's five, ready five to go. Five quick ones? Five? What, yeah. yeah five, that'll be the toughest. <laughs> well, let's see how it goes. It, it, it might turn into something like that. What? Uh, but before we get to there, uh, what what are you most interested in seeing about this football team in this first year of of the Big 12? our defense mm-hmm. and what do you want to see from him well Jay Hill's the, the best defensive coordinator in America I did, did, did I, he tell you that or are you, are you telling us that <laughs> I worked with Jay so Jay and I started our, our careers at the same time in 2001 at Utah so I know Jay yeah. Jay is an excellent coach and I'm excited to see uh, I've already seen it but I'm, I'm excited to see him put that not a, no pressure, yeah, right. no pressure. But I'm excited. He's got a little pressure on him. Come on. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, I have his number for everybody <laughs> to, to call. No, I'm really excited about what they're doing over there. So, um, yeah. This next question is going to test your metal here, and we're going to find out oh, just great. just how you what 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 makes you tick. BYU's had some great tight ends over the years. If the game's on the line and you need a reception. Which tight end are you going with? Gordon Hudson, Chad Lewis, Dennis Pitta, Johnny Harleen, Matt Bushman, or Isaac Rex? And don't just say Bushman or Rex because you coach them. We want a complete. I'd have to go with Bushman or Rex. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the coaching? The coaching is so good. um, Bushman made some incredible catches. The ones that he made against Utah in that big game that were as good as I, well, I you couldn't go wrong with 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 any of them. I mean Clay Brown caught the biggest look you got well how much time do you have in between plays 25 seconds I'd put I'd go 12 personnel and put two of those guys out on the field yeah mm-hmm. which ones I'd go Bushman and that's good Bushman and Pitta that's Bushman good. and Pitta that's good I'm glad you mentioned Dennis because he's going to be on here in three weeks and would have to follow up if you left him off that so list. So I, I have in my office, I have a uh, trophy that Dennis won that's been sitting in there for at least five years. And I tell him every time it's sitting in my office and he will not come and pick it up. So, <laughs> Listen, we're just glad oh, he I, got his schoolwork done so we get you in the Hall of Fame. I, no, really, I'm serious. Can I have it? You can have it. I'll, I'll sell it right. to you. I'll cr- 
Yeah. Mm. Top price. See, when you said sell. Dennis will, that's when Dennis <laughs> will come back in and say, okay, you sold it. I want my cut. All right. Five questions for Steve Clark. These are rapid fire. Just, just tell us first things that come to your mind. Below. Favorite sports movie. Two minute drill. Two minute drill. Favorite sports movie. Don't look at Suzanne. You just know. Got to use a timeout. Got to use. Coach Rockwood's here. She's already answered these questions. You got one timeout left. All right. The the television version of Bull Durham. You mean the edited version? The edited version. Bull Durham. Good baseball movie. Oh, it's a baseball. It's a baseball movie. movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Bull Durham. Bull Durham, the edited version. The edited. <laughs> okay. The, the, the oh, I'll, I'll go Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams better. Than is there a non-edited version? What happened to Bull Durham? You just wiped them out for Field of Bull Dreams? Field of Dreams. Okay, yes. Field of Dreams is in. All right. We uh, keep track of these two. Favorite singer or band? Favorite band is Rush. There is no other bands. <laughs> How do you really feel about Rush? Me and Greg Rebell. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Rush is good. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> Um, favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, I don't eat breakfast cereal. Uh, I I, uh, I tried to use that same line. They wouldn't let me. Um, grape nuts. Grape nuts. Okay. You put any sugar on that? Or Absolutely. Just? Okay. I ne- I've never heard that either. I found that if you put enough <laughs> if you put enough sugar on grape nuts, it becomes a sugar coated cereal. Me and Brian need to go watch Field of Dreams while eating. Listening to Rush, Rush and eating great. Let's do it in your office while I'm holding the trophy. Uh, yeah. Dennis, Dennis, trophy. Dennis, his, his Heisman. Yeah. His All right, favorite, favorite ice cream? <laughs> no, great. <laughs> but don't tell us you don't eat ice cream. Come on. Vanilla. I once asked for vanilla when I was a kid. Vanilla. And my mom literally said this. You want vanilla? Like your personality? <laughs> <laughs> moms, are, moms know just what to say. And I've been scarred. <laughs> Look, I, I, would, I like vanilla because then you put stuff on it, it yeah. becomes something else. Yeah. yeah. Okay, There's a lot of so. options there. All right, here's a tough one, but it should be so easy. You ready? Go ahead. Favorite advice from your wife, Suzanne? Favorite advice. Favorite advice from my wife. Um, this is a tough one. So she said, well, <laughs> this is hard for me to say, but when we said we we're going to go, be a coach she said you go be a coach and you don't worry about us mm. and she's always she's always backed that up thank you Suzanne for that you want to come and talk <laughs> see that was our Barbara Walters last question just get y'all emotional hey we'll see you next Tuesday at practice yeah I'll be there thank you so much for for coming in and thanks, thanks guys and sharing uh, your insights and so it would be Pitta, did Pitta and Bushman you put into the game put, if you had yeah. to have something? I, I don't know what Isaac's thinking right now, but, but he has a chance to earn his way into that Well, he's duo. got a little bit more to do. I just bought Matt's stroller from him, by the way. Interesting. Got grandbabies coming. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, let's well, out of here. I will, Thank I, you. I will, I'll be there Monday to get the trophy. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it ready for you. <laughs> the great nice Steve coach. Clark, <laughs> tight ends coach at BYU. Coach Jen Rockwood, soccer coach, is going to join us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, great stuff, and that's such an important position. And and Isaac, as a freshman, was different as a sophomore yeah. and a junior. Jaron Hall was different in how he fed the tight end spot, and now here he has a chance with Slovis, and they're building that chemistry and a chance, and how healthy that tight end position has a chance to get back to the 2020 numbers where it made life easier for Algier. Mm-hmm. It made life easier for Neil Pau. Dax Milne, 
yeah, Zach yeah. Wilson. Yeah, everybody. I mean, I guess it's, it's funny because we always think that, um, or us as analysts or maybe fans, we think, you know, the offense starts with the running game or starts through the quarterback. But, um, I mean, I, I, I think Coach made a good point of it starting through, you know, the tight ends and, and just the, the strategic approach of how he, you know, rotates his guys. We had some insights into that. And um, I think I've, I value that, that position a lot more than I did prior to, you know, this, this conversation, which is kind of sad to say because I've been playing and been around football, you know, my, my whole life. But I, I think, you know, to, the, to your first question, that shows how much value, uh, you know, a position like that, um, you know, really is because they, they have their hands in so many different areas of the offense. I'm surprised he didn't just get up and walk out after you said you didn't know Rush. Never yeah, heard Rush, no. but fortunately he stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. You guys always walk out on me when, when I say. Hey, our live streamers like want to hear from the soccer coach. So he's heard enough from us. Let's bring in Coach Rockwood, our second guest tonight, the only head coach in the successful history of women's soccer at BYU. Been at the helm since 1995, number 12 all time, with 435 Division I victories. Her 75.1% winning percentage is eighth best among active coaches. Seven times she's been voted as Conference Coach of the Year, and for the first time she's leading the Cougars into the Big 12. A pleasure to welcome back to the show Coach Jen Rockwood. Did I read that exactly as you wrote it? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> been around so long, I don't know what they say anymore. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Yeah, well, thanks so for much has me. happened since our last visit. Yeah, and and now you've got your schedule, which we want to talk about. And practice starts next Tuesday for your 28th season. How has the evol- what, what how do we say it the um, the elevation to a P5 program changed things for for your squad? Um, to be honest, I don't know that a whole lot's changed. Right. We've, we've tried to be a nationally competitive program, you know, ever since we started the program uh, 29 years ago, well, 28 years ago. And, and so, I, you know, we're obviously very excited about the move uh, into the new conference. And I know how great it is for uh, BYU athletics overall, particularly yeah. for football. And, you know, anything that helps football helps all of uh, our, us other Olympic sports. And yeah. so we're very excited about that. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just something that's going to be new for us, a new challenge. Um, but I don't think we've really done anything too different. Um, you know, we'll have to watch a lot more film as we get closer yeah. to conference play and uh, not being as familiar with, uh, you know, the Big 12 schools. But other than that, you know, we, we've, we're kind of just moving along like we've always moved. And the girls have been working hard this summer and really excited to start next week. I know the last four years are concerned. Uh, 2019, the Elite Eight. 2020, the second round. 2021, the national championship game. Hmm. 2022, the Sweet 16. Um, yeah, it's this way. <laughs> we, we've talked about it for a long time. Yeah. That soccer's been Big 12 ready long before the Big 12 invited. Uh, the preseason coaches poll, media poll hasn't come out yet as mm-hmm. far as we know. But we expect BYU to be picked number one, if not number uh-huh. one with TCU as a close two, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we would hope we're prepared. I mean, that's right. what we, we're doing. We're, we're always preparing every year. And uh, this will be our fourth conference. And, um, you know, there's always a learning curve uh, going into a conference, especially a, a P5 conference which, you know, we've never done before. But, um, you know, we, we hope that we're P5 ready, for sure. I mean, we plan on that. Uh, we have really high expectations. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know where they'll put us, uh, but we have a lot of returning players. Yeah. And uh, so we expect to be pretty good next year. And uh, really ne- Hey, next year, next week. Next week, <laughs> yes. It comes fast. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to this being your, your fourth, you know, new conference, um, is there things that you can take away from going into – 
you know, the other new conferences previously or is it got to be a, a situation like case by case situation? I, I think it's going to be case by case. I think it will be um, um, weekend by weekend. One of the things that we're going to face this uh, season that'll be new is the logistics of the travel. Mm. You know, everyone's going to be traveling a little bit more. But um, I think for us, we uh, sun, uh, Sunday soccer is a Sunday sport, right uh, across the country yeah. in college and women's college. And so, oh, I know that. Yeah, we're going to be playing Thursday, Monday, and so that's a really challenging schedule considering five of our games uh, in conference will be on Mondays. Um, and won't have a practice won't have day. Won't have a practice day right. in between there. And Does then, that make Saturday the practice day uh, coming from the Thursday game? Does that work? I mean, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, right? we'll find out. And yeah. I think that will be kind of the biggest challenge is to really, and every week it'll be a little bit different based yeah. on home or away. Um, but again, I think this group, particularly that has a lot of experience, most of this uh, starting group has was playing and, and yeah. significant contributors in 2021 and, and have been around for a lot of them are fifth and sixth year yeah. uh, seniors. Yeah. And, and so we've tried to travel a lot non-conference um, to kind of get used to the you know, cross-country type uh, trips. And that's not easy by any means, and it will be a challenge. I think that's something that will be part of our game plan is not just preparation for opponents, but how are we going to make sure that we're prepared for a quick turnaround off of a Monday game to a Thursday, and then obviously a preparation um, over the weekend for a Monday game. So yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. We're going to go over that schedule here in a minute. <laughs> uh, but let, tell us there's been a rule change since last season, and, and maybe there hasn't, but but there were seven ties. You're 11 yeah. and 3 Thanks with seven me. ties. <laughs> and I know, you're, I know you're not happy about that rule, but like, did it go away, or is it no, still here? No, it is unfortunately still here. We don't know. The coaches didn't, like, revolt? We, yeah, well, yeah, there's not much we can do. I, I don't think anyone really approved it. I think a lot of us were surprised that it passed. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's – I and personally so the, don't feel it's good for the game. And it, it, what, um, what did it do? It eliminated overtime? It eliminated uh, the golden goal or sudden victory uh, overtime. And obviously in soccer, you know um, – most people's complaint is there's not enough goal scoring. Yeah, right. and, um, and typically that's something that we take a lot of pride in is that we, we, t we tend to play a very attacking style and, and like to score a lot of goals. And, and last year, you know, sometimes it just didn't fall for us. And, and we know that had we had an extra 30 minutes, most of those games we were in pretty good control of the game. Sure. Um, we were out shooting our opponents. We had the momentum. Um, and so I, I think that impacted us. And it was a tough lesson uh, for us because – I don't think we've ever had more than two or three ties right, in a but season. But seven. And it was, it's seven. not necessarily a negative. It's yeah. just the, the result kind of, of this stat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got yeah. a team just going, uh, let's just hang on. Yeah. They don't even have to try to win. Let's just hang on to regulation. Yeah. We get out of Provo yep. with a tie, absolutely. which never happens. Yeah, absolutely. It, it totally changes our opponent's yeah. mindset, I think. doesn't necessarily change ours. Um, but, yeah, they can, they can sit back a little bit more. Um, yeah, and we had to we had to deal with a, a lot of the mental stress of that too. You yeah. know, the clock's winding down ten minutes, and it's a tie, and you know there's no overtime again. You know, I, I think that was a bit of a learning curve yeah. for us that hopefully we learned and, and can um, be better at it this this next you know year. Why, why do you think they they you know? You know, went through with that. Um, is it like a, like health reasons? Yeah, I mean, there's a significant study, sports science study, particularly in soccer, because it is such a world sport. There's so much science uh, behind training loads, and you know, soccer is not necessarily made to be a game um, that you play within 48 hours mm. because of the rest that you need. And so, I, I think that was a lot of it. Um, 
but I mean, we do we don't play too many games. Our our, our season is kind of crammed into two and a half months, which is a, a bit of a challenge. But um, it, it just really kind of evens out the field a little bit more. It, it's it's difficult for the NCAA tournament selection people to kind of decide: well, is it a good tie or a bad tie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it impacts RPI because yeah. there's not really a number that, that's really associated in that RPI. I mean, we had won a lot of games, and I think those ties felt like losses for us this last year. And I just had to keep reminding our team where our RPI was because of our strength of schedule. We didn't have the mm. wins we were used yeah. to having, but because we had played such a strong, strong schedule, the ties didn't you know, put us out of contention for rankings and, and some big and tournament. tournament. But no, that, that was good. something that we kind of had to fight through the whole season because we weren't getting the, the results yeah. we wanted. So they felt almost as if like, it was a loss because we expected to win those well, games. It, well, I mean, as an athlete or as somebody that's competitive, if I, if I didn't win, yeah. Hey, look, it's we a, saw it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, it's a loss. We yeah. saw plenty of the opponents celebrating like it was a win. Yeah, and that was hard that was, on South Field. I mean, yeah. to, to see Alabama, you know, they both Alabama and Arkansas, um, and they beat us. Uh, well, we tied Arkansas at South Field, but they celebrated yeah. like it was the biggest thing ever. Like and it was a win because it, it was, was a, win. to them it was the it biggest was. thing. And, yeah. and the same thing happened to us in conference. You know, it cost us the conference championship. We. We figured that we, we, out of about 75, 80 shots, all we need to do is score one of those, and yeah. that would have Done solidified um, the conference championship because mm. of uh, some of those ties. BYU Sports Addict. By the way, we've got folks all over the world on our live stream no tonight. That's uh, awesome. From Australia, Singapore, you name it. Yeah, uh, World Cup. World Cup yes. stuff. So BYU Sports Addict writes, BYU Women's Soccer is perhaps the best, if not one of the best programs at BYU. Seriously, spread the word and go watch their games. They're really fun to watch. Awesome. So you got some fans on here. Love uh, it. Let's talk about some of your stars. Sure. Brecken Mazingo is a senior. 13 goals last year, 10 mm-hmm. assists. Team leader in those two categories. How vital is she for the Big 12? She's extremely vital for us. Um, you know, Brecken has really, she had a kind of a breakout season this last year and, and found her confidence and her rhythm and uh, just such a, a tough opponent to uh, match up against because yeah. she can beat you 1v1. Um, she has a, a really great cross. She has a long range shot. She can get in tight. Um, and so she's, I, she's really hard for our opponents to, to kind of manage. And because of the unique system we play, we find her in gaps in spaces often. And um, she really took advantage of that last last year. And I think she's even, I just feel like she's going to even have more of a breakout season this really? year. Really? I'm super excited for Brecken. She looks great right now. So she's ready to roll. Olivia Katoa. Yeah. Used to be Olivia Wade. Yeah. Now she's a Katoa. She had nine goals last year. Yeah. You know, and, and Liv's played three different key positions for us during her career at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she played kind of where Jamie's playing as a freshman when she came in. Then she went on a mission. Uh, when we played for the national championship, she was out wide, actually in Brecken's spot, oh, kind yeah. of where Brecken plays right now. And and last year with, with the graduation of Kayla and some other key players, lift, we moved her around a little bit. And it was the second half of the season, once we got into conference play, that we found her at that attacking center mid where Kayla played. And she really found her confidence and her rhythm it's hard sometimes when you play different positions, I think, in any sport, but typically the, the number 10 position in soccer is one of the toughest and um, a lot of pressure and every, it's kind of the quarterback, uh, you know, the playmaker. And she really settled into that spot really nice at the end of the season. And, and I think she's going to own it this year. I, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Do you think players that play multiple positions, um, do they, you know, within their development, do, they, do you think that they end up having – um, you know, a, a better career versus somebody who 
you know, came in out the gates, just one position. You know, I, I think I've seen it both ways. So I, th- I think it's kind of an individual thing. I've seen, you know, someone like Jamie Shepard came in and she played the six. She played that defensive center midfield her whole career. And she's just gotten better and better and better at it. Where, you know, I think Liv, especially that position, she's had to play more of a defensive role, but then an attacking role mm-hmm. and then a playmaker role. And I feel like this coming year, she's really going to put it all together. So I've seen it uh, both ways where people have played some different positions and really excelled particularly that senior year where they've found that confidence uh, on the field and, and kind of finding that spot that, that is, is really that, fits them is that when you as a coach to judge like yeah you know oh, coach no, gets you, to decide you gotta yeah. no you gotta just focus on one thing yeah one thing. it's like a puzzle you know you, you get your group and and every year it could be different based on the holes that you've got to fill from mm. um, places uh, seniors that you graduated or and um you know i think it goes back to kind of recruiting and we talk a lot about recruiting really versatile players that that can play any of the the yeah. positions you know you've yeah. got someone right now like a, a kendall peterson who has started at the outside back for a couple of years and and even Liv smith Neither of those girls played an outside back position um, during their youth career, but they're so versatile. They could, we needed them at that time, and then they've mm-hmm. just kind of taken over that slot back there. Shepard gave you seven goals last year. She's back as a senior. Yeah. And then Allie Fryer, a freshman, gave you mm-hmm. nine. She's back as a sophomore. How about those two? Yeah, well, Jamie Shepard, along with Liv, is, uh, there, t- there are two captains. Yeah. And um, I think the really growth that we saw from them last year is their ability to really lead the team. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big mantle to carry when you're used to someone else doing that. And I think uh, the experiences we had last year and, and through the offseason have, have challenged them. Uh, so I think our leadership is as good as it's ever been with Liv and Jamie. And Jamie's a big part of that with the experience she has on the field and now the leadership that she feels, uh, you know, carrying the team a bit and, and feeling that pressure. I, yeah. I think she's good with that. And, you know, Allie Fryer had an amazing freshman year for us coming off the bench. Um, I think Allie's going to play a lot more minutes. Uh, I think she'll score a lot more goals. I think uh, her future is wide open right now. The girl is so fast, so strong, and has an amazing shot. So we'll see. Uh, it's, it's tough. She's going to come in with really high expectations. We'll see if she can manage those. But um, I, I, you know, our expectation is to score a lot more goals than we did last year. Do you, do you see the, the girls that maybe – are naturally their their leaders from a from a team perspective like the team rallies around them they look at them but mm-hmm. inside internally they're like oh i don't i don't want to be yeah. how does that impact because it sounds like you know what you what you said is is you know with jamie she's more comfortable in that in that leadership role do you think there's an impact with you know, on the field, hey, I don't want to be a leader, but I just want to kind of do my thing. Yeah, I think there's different the players like that. I, I, I think it, it can be learned. Uh, I think they can grow into it. But I also think, um, you know, you can't, you can't have too many uh, kind of main captains. Um, but I think we expect all of our, our, our girls to lead, at least lead by example yeah. and, and lead through support and that all-in mentality. But um, you, you have to have some coaches on the field, especially in soccer, yeah. where there's no timeouts, there's no set plays necessarily other than a few set pieces. You have to have those kind of coaches on the field that are holding their teammates accountable. And yeah. some some players aren't super comfortable with with uh, calling people out, yeah. you know, and holding people accountable. <laughs> and some accountable. people are a little too uh, some, eager to do some that. Some are a little bit more comfortable, I will say. <laughs> and I think that that's a big part of the leadership growth with Liv and Jamie uh, is feeling more comfortable yeah. in, in that. And, and they, they, they've worked so hard and have been so successful. And they're such good friends with the girls on and off the field that they've earned that respect and the girls, girls will follow yeah. them. Yeah. 
So let's go to the net now. You got yeah. Savannah Mason, who's a junior, 21 starts in 21 games yeah. last year, 57 saves, 23 goals. You, you, so now you have, you've got experience all over the field. Now you've got a really experienced goalie. How, how important yeah. is that going into the unknown of a new conference? It's huge. I mean, you know, we just, I just got through talking to campers. I've been in camp mode, yeah. you know, for two months straight. And, uh, the, the, the goalkeeper is so vital. Uh, you can be a good team, but with a great keeper, you're going to win games. And you can be a great team, but if you only have an average keeper, you're not going to win as many. And so the, that goalkeeper position is so vital. Um, and, uh, you know, Savannah got such great experience last year. Yeah. It's tough, tough to go in. You know, she hadn't seen a lot of action, and she'd been in our program three or four years. But that's how a lot of our keepers are. They kind of work hard. Um, kind of wait for their opportunity to kind of break through. And, and, you know, Sav started every game for us last year and uh, I think mostly built confidence. Um, you know, it, it's hard going in. When you haven't been in, that's a, that's a lot of responsibility on a goalkeeper. I don't know how those goalkeepers do it, to be honest with you. I don't know how they do it. It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy it's position. It's like nothing going on until that all of a sudden tough, the game rides I mean, on you. Yeah, one, one little mistake, one bad angle, one quick decision can, can make a huge difference. And Sav got some really great experience with some tough opponents and some unique situations with a lot of pressure. Uh, you can already see through our spring season and just with her back on the field right now and, and uh, at camp. I get to see him a lot. She's she's yeah. grown a lot. You had to have a, a short memory. I'm I'm assuming just like like a defensive back. Yeah, like like a corner. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and you kind of I guess you kind of have you have to have like a little swag too because sure. you know if I get beat for a touchdown and you know my opponent gets in my face and celebrates and says I suck. I'm you know through mm -hmm. that mentality I'm like no you you suck. I don't right. care if you just scored you know a, a yeah. touchdown. So, so so much about a keeper is just a presence. Yeah, you know yeah. they might not touch the ball but just their presence on the field and just how they how they move the the their yeah. you know their body language. Yeah. You know you see that in football all the time. That confidence can really bring a lot to the team. How, how do you how do you recruit for that when you're in the living room? <laughs> Especially because we we know with 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 you know athletes they're on their on their best behavior right sure. you're seeing kind of like dating right you're yeah, seeing the yeah, best yeah. of everything so mm -hmm. how do you see that off the field obviously you could see that through you know watching film mm -hmm. you know high school but how do you see that in that personal interaction um, I think it's something that's learned too I mean I, I think that uh, being able to uh, just brush off you know mistakes mm -hmm. is, is a really tough thing and it's all about a mindset and uh, and I think that's something that keepers really have to to learn more than than others is it's so much easier I think to lose your confidence if you give up a goal than if you yeah. just made a bad pass so um, you know I think that's something we work a lot on um, and I know Savannah spent a lot of time working on that mindset and learning how to to, to kind of blow off some of the the mistakes but still know how valuable she is and important to the team team success for her to just yeah. be there yeah. yeah BYU soccer coach Jen Rockwood's on the wise guys tonight live on YouTube Facebook Twitch and YSGuys.com podcast will be up tomorrow. Uh, there are 10 players on your roster who've served missions hmm. for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Six of them returned this summer, meaning they put their soccer careers on pause for 18 months to teach the gospel around the world. What dynamic does that bring to your program? Because 10 is a lot. It is. You know, it's um, we're a very unique dynamic. Uh, I think uh, unique to all the other teams out there. Mm -hmm. um, usually, because it's because we have more married kids on our team than most. Um, but now, it's uh, the mission has has uh, been a big impact in our program. Um, I, I, to be honest with, as a coach, it's it's tough. It's yeah. tough to 
to manage rosters and scholarships and positions and all of that because with the girls, you you know, guys, sometimes you plan on that and, and girls will come up to you where they told you, no, I'm not going. And then two weeks later, it's like, I need to go. Like about 18 months ago, you had some <laughs> uh, surprises, right? I've had several surprises. Yeah. And then another surprise this summer, you know, with Haven, Savannah's younger sister uh, as a goalkeeper, leaving us with two mm. keepers for this fall, which we've never had. So you, you kind of have to just hope that it's all going to work out and, and support them. And uh, we've had great success with our return missionaries. We've never had six come back at the same time. So uh, we'll kind of work them into the program. And, you know, we have have a lot of returning players we have a lot of young players but now we've kind of got this this these missionaries who are kind of young in their soccer career but a little bit older and a little bit more mature and yeah. um yeah it, it adds a really unique uh, really good dynamic and, and like i said we've had tremendous success with return missionaries on the field how many uh, foreign languages do you have out there Oh, I don't know. I mean, last year, Nat Wells, she was our only senior. She spoke Mongolian. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so she's mad at you, frustrated. She <laughs> say something in Mongolian. You're like, right. yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, Abby, Abby was in Cape Verde, I think. So I think she spoke a, maybe a unique language there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Caroline um, was in Brazil. And we had some Spanish-speaking. Yeah. Spanish, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Football gets... You know, a, a lot of, um, I almost said a, a word I shouldn't have used. I'm going to keep PG-13. Actually, yeah. I'm going to keep PG. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, a lot of. If um, you ever, <laughs> if you ever say, wonder to yourself, should I say something? That is the red flag I, I, to I, say, I, no, you shouldn't. I know it. I know it. When I stopped right there, it was like, it right. was like, a, it was like a false start on the last screen. That's why I, I paused and I remember it. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of analysts around, you know, college football will always kind of give BYU excuse and they'll say, hey, um, they went on a mission, they're, they're, they're grown men versus playing against, you know, 18-year-olds and they're mature, et cetera, et cetera. And they see it as an advantage. Obviously, mm-hmm. us being here, we know that it's, it's less of an yeah. advantage. Do you, do you get that same, um, you know, stereotype with, within, you know, your soccer players? Um, I don't think as much just because I don't think it's talked about probably as much as it's discussed uh, football. And and again, um, you know, we usually only have a couple here and there. Um, It seems like in the last four or five years, it's been more of an impact in our on our program. Um, But there there's there's really not a a huge benefit athletically. (laughs) I mean, there just can't be. I mean, mentally, of course, they're going to be a more mature person and have gone through a lot of tough experiences. And I I think a lot of those challenges of a mission help them out athletically because we all know those of us that deal with athletes, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. There's injuries. There's just so much uh, working out and sacrificing. Um, Then you take a year and a half to two years off. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of time. Um, and so, you know, I think it just makes them, you know, that much more hungry to get back and, and maybe work that much harder. So I think there's probably definitely pros and cons to it, but I don't see it as a advantage. Kalani likes to, uh, with the missionaries that come back, um, have them sit out the year mm-hmm. just to try and save their hamstring and, yeah. and all the injuries that seem to pop up with athletes that are hurrying back. But he's got 120 guys right. in his roster. Do you, you have that luxury or do they have to get right back in? Um, it, it's gonna, it, it's, it's kind of year to year, uh, kind of based on our situation. Yeah. I remember, you remember Rachel Bingham, mm-hmm. a little Bing, you know, she came back from a mission, um, and, uh, we didn't really need to try and push her back. We, we had some people that had some good experience in that. So we did red shirt when she came back and, and, uh, it ended up, you know, her advancing to that fifth year where she had such a great year right. uh, for us. 
Um, and so it's kind of a case-by-case scenario. Um, we haven't even made any final decisions yet on, on this group of freshmen coming in on, mm. on the red shirts. Uh, we'll just kind of see how it plays out at least these first couple of weeks. Yeah. The problem is we don't have a lot of time. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. we're playing a game like in almost a week from when we start. So, yeah. um, but, uh, fun fact, we did have two missionaries come back and pass our fitness test, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. That's, those are tremendous athletes. Yes. They can do that. <laughs> do they, do they usually not pass when they come back? Uh, no, it's a, it's a pretty rigorous fitness test. And, and, and they haven't we, been training. No, I, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I, I think they, they were able to get some workouts in on their mission towards uh, good the end. For them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the schedule. We broke it down into three waves. Um, August 5th, the blue-white scrimmage at Southfield. That's, that's, that's where folks are battling for, I don't want to be red-shirted, I yes. want to play. So uh-huh. there's a lot on the line. Yeah. But August 10th, you're at Rutgers, mm-hmm. back east in an exhibition. Then you come all the way back here two days later for Idaho State. Is that when you referenced a moment ago of, of taking some country-wide mm-hmm. trips to get ready for what's coming? Is that one of the, because they're both exhibition games. Right. And, um, you know, I think we, last year we went to North Carolina. It's kind of fun. We started at North Carolina as an exhibition game, and we actually ended there in the NCAA tournament. So it, I think uh, it, it is a, an advantage for us to go out, especially for an exhibition game. Rutgers was in the Final Four with us yeah. a couple years ago. Uh, they have a lot of great returning players, so I think we'll know immediate, immediately kind of where we are, what we're working with. From the first game, I, this is the first year I've played two exhibition games. Right. Um, that being uh, the possibility of a tournament on the end, you know, we're only allowed twenty games um, in the regular season, and the exhibition count as t- uh, oh, towards those games. So, so, so you want to schedule? Yeah, so I've right? only I've only usually played one exhibition, okay. uh, and then played nineteen countable games. But with the opportunity for us to play in a conference tournament, we're going to get. Hopefully, you know, three, mm, three right. more games on top of that. So you see a lot of teams now playing two exhibition games. Um, uh, but I just wanted to get another home game, and we were able to get Idaho State. So, uh, but, yeah, that, that travel and the quick turnaround jet lag type is something thing to deal that with. we just are going to have to be dealing with all season. August 17th, St. Louis is the opener mm-hmm. uh, at Southfield. Then you have Cal State Fullerton on the 19th, Long Beach State on the 24th. This is all next month, by the way. I know. Uh, <laughs> at Boise so State fast. on August 26th. Then you wrap up August with UCLA at Southfield, yeah. August 31st. How big will that one be? That's huge. Defending national champions. Yeah. But can I mention that St. Yeah. Louis finished in the top 10 last year as our home opener? Really? So they were a top 10 program last year. And so we'll have two top 10 teams at home in the month of August. So, but yeah, the UCLA thing will be huge. I mean, uh, national champions. They beat, Place will be packed. They beat North Carolina, who knocked us out. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be packed. I think the freshman orientation will help when we get all those freshmen uh, packed in at yeah. Southfield. Um, so we're really, really looking forward to that. All right, Below, run through September. Okay, so September 2nd, you have Utah Valley, then at Utah, which is, that's pretty it's tough. In- interesting. Yeah. Well, from a mm-hmm. fan's perspective, that's 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 fun. Yeah. Uh, TCU, which is the Big Twelve opener, Utah State, um, at Baylor, at Texas, and then Cincinnati. That Cincinnati game's the night before the Big Twelve football opener yes. against Cincinnati, so it's going to be a Thursday, Friday into General Conference weekend. That'll be one of the great weekends yes. of the year. But let's go back at your Utah State game in Logan on September sixteenth. Eight of your first nine games are in state. And the one that's out of state is Boise, which isn't too far away. Nice job on the scheduling. 
Well, I do my best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. I mean, we were up at uh, Utah State last year and ended up in one of those crazy ties that just felt like right. mm. we got punched in the gut again before we st- uh, started conference. Um, but just hanging around, how'd you get hanging around Utah? I mean, the, yeah. you're going to travel a bunch. We are. Uh, but you, don't, you didn't have to do it in September. Yeah, I mean, we we typically play Utah every year, you know. Um, yeah. We've been playing Utah State here and there. And then UVU, you know, they, they actually were one of the top RPI teams that got an... Um, and you beat and them in the they, tournament last year. And they got an at-large year. bid. I right. mean, okay. that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, so UVU is a very good program. They had their best season ever. So it's actually turned out to be a, a great RPI and actually a very challenging game for us. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm they not did calling them easy the games, yeah. but they are local games, yes, which local. is good. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, I think um, Coach, Coach Pope is realizing that as well you know, on the basketball side. Too, yeah. Right? yeah, they're getting better. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I think too, that some people don't realize how tough, you know, unless you're kind of in coaching, how tough the in-state games are. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot riding on them, and especially for us, we're expected to win all of those games, and we usually know most, I usually know most of the rosters because a lot of them wanted to come to BYU. Yeah, sure. And, um, and so there's a, there's a lot on that line uh, every game, and we will always get their very best that, that's year why in and year the, out. That's, it's tough. That's, that's exactly yeah. why I said I was going to, I was going to mention that mm-hmm. is because, you know, those players are scorned, right? And, <laughs> and look, I got my scholarship taken away from me um, after I committed my whole sophomore year of junior college to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came here, obviously it's, it worked out better, way better. Yeah. You wouldn't even be here tonight. I, right. wouldn't even, Look at you now. I wouldn't even went to a bowl game. That's you know? <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and but but going into that season, we and, and we played Oklahoma, we played Florida State. I cared about none of those. Right. I didn't care about Utah. <laughs> I said I said to my guys, I said I don't care if we win zero games. I want to win two games yeah. in my career, which is San, San Diego, Diego State, because I was scoring for yeah. them. Yes. So you got to. So with you and 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 well, you know, all the sports you have Utah State, yep. right? I don't know how it is maybe with with Utah because they may feel that they're on the same level, but you know, definitely, you know, UVU now, right? Yeah, I would I would say you know we've definitely had the upper hand on Utah yeah. over the years, and so. Uh, it is. There's, there's a lot of um, players who, and I have to remind my players. Uh, I'm sure Kalani does too. There's a lot of, lot of girls on the on the team that that would have liked to have been in their shoes, and they're not. And so they've got something to prove mm-hmm. to us coaches, uh, yeah. and to themselves. So those those in-state games, I think for all the sports. Uh, at BYU are, are more challenging, I think, than the fans realize. Hey, Les says, hello, Coach Rockwood from your Santa Fe, New Mexico friends. Nice. Santa Les, Fe. good to have you with us. All right, let's go to October. You're at Iowa State October 2nd, Texas Tech October 5th, Kansas State October 9th, at Oklahoma State October 12th, and then at Oklahoma on the 16th. I don't know if you just stay back there the whole week because that's a lot of back and forth. And then Central Florida before the tournament on October 23rd. That's a, that's a tough October. Very tough. It's, it's wild to hear those teams uh, yeah. Yeah, names in October. <laughs> it's, it's something none of us have ever had before. And, uh, you know, as, as a coach, I've played uh, most of the teams over my career, mm-hmm. but obviously our players haven't. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think they're really excited to, uh, to go to some big-name schools and college towns with phenomenal facilities um, and I think that's something that, that we can really look forward to. The, the newness of it all is, is really exciting. Our pleasure to have head coach Jen Rockwood on the Wise Guys tonight, ahead of BYU soccer 
debut season in the Big 12. All the games that we just talked about will be on ESPN Plus, available to everybody. Might cost you a few bucks, but you can watch the game, which is access is still, you know, top priority. But Southfield, um, the average attendance last year was 3,186. So I went over there to the Big 12 and started looking around. The uh, TCU led the Big 12 in attendance. Their average was 1,152. So more than <laughs> triple uh, at Southfield. Uh, and, and folks in the Rock I, I will, will want to hear not. this too. But how big of a home field advantage has Southfield become in your program? It's just, it's huge. It's huge. We, we're so fortunate to have phenomenal fans. Um, we're supported by the soccer community locally. We're supported certainly by the, the, fan, uh, the students and um, people of BYU, but uh, just a tremendous fan base. And we always tell the girls, you got to play great soccer and score a lot of goals if you want anybody to come watch them. Yeah. So, but uh, they definitely um, notice it. They know when there's you know, not some standing room only, and they know when it's packed. And it's, it's such an advantage for us as I think we're number one in the country and have been one, two, or three, really, I mean, for 20-something years. So we, we've always had such a great fan base on Southfield, and you can just feel the energy. I think it's one of the best places to watch and to be a part of a women's college soccer game. I'm curious, uh, and I agree, and I'm curious as these Big 12 teams come, some for the first time, mm-hmm. to experience uh, one, well, they're going to talk about altitude, that, and, right. and just like everyone does for the football stadium, but but they come into Southfield, and, um, and they're in the Big 12, they've been in the Big 12 for years, but that doesn't mean they have big crowds, mm-hmm. and they roll out of the locker room to your stadium, and it's full, and they're all cheering for the other team, right. your team. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious just to see how they react to, wait a sec, we were the big time. Right. And we let you in, and we come to your place, and now we realize that actually in this sport, you're the big time. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's you know where we want to be. We want to be big time. And um, bringing those teams in, uh, it gives us a lot more exposure than we've had. And the exposure we had nationally from just when we went to the WCC was huge. To be yeah. in, in a in conference with a, a Santa Clara and a Portland who had won national championships before and a Pepperdine and yeah. that sort of thing. And, and now just the name of the schools that we're going into, even though we, we hope to be the big dog, you know, we hope to be the main team. Right. Um, that That's our plan. Uh, we'll see. It will be more of a challenge, I think, than we faced top to bottom before in any of the conferences we've been into. Uh, but I know this group of girls is really committed to to uh, you know playing some really good soccer and getting results. You know, what I, I loved the most was um, going, having away games, running out the locker room into the stadium and seeing that we had more fans yep. than, you know, uh, uh, the opponents. And, and now, granted, they were like New Mexico State and Wyoming and, and New Mexico's UNLV, especially UNLV. Um, and in soccer, with, with with you guys traveling, have you seen the the same you know kind of experience? We definitely have. I mean, obviously at a smaller level, but there's there's no question. In fact, um, one of my favorite games, you know, you had asked me some oh, yeah, of my that's favorite coming games, here. right? Yeah. Well, one of those games was at University of Portland, and this is kind of back in their heyday. Uh, we had just entered the conference, and and they could fit four or five thousand people in their soccer oh, stadium, wow. and. Um, and they were ranked six in the country, and, and we walked in there, and um, we were used to kind of having that kind of fan base around us. But to go into their place mm-hmm. and beat them in front of their fans, uh, I bet we had over 1,000 
uh, BYU fans nice. uh, that came to Portland uh, to watch mm-hmm. us play and cheer us on. And the Cougar I think, fans in the Portland they, area are awesome. I, yeah, I, I just I, and I'm from Portland too, yeah. and uh, so that was probably a nice. super memorable yeah. experience for me. And uh, but uh, yeah, we get Cougar Nation shows up wherever we go. Um, really exciting. The coaches and teams are always super confused. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they travel so but, well. And I'm like, well, we get a few parents that travel, but these are your rest neighbors. of them are here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we yeah. get to your other four biggest games, uh, I do want to, and then we'll finish up with that, but you've got some coaching moves. Uh, Brent Anderson promoted to associate mm-hmm. head coach. He's been on your staff since 2017. Tasha Bell's a new assistant, comes over from Utah Valley, but coached at Minnesota, gives you a little P5 experience. In that form, those two are pretty important to you, aren't they? Yeah, I, I have an amazing staff. I, you know, I have more help than I've ever had. And, and, you know, Brent, you know, was at UVU for 11, 12 years, built that program. For, so for him coming over uh, mm. to help me at BYU was, was a big, uh, you know, very fortunate for me and yeah. for our program. And, and he's brought so much. And just, you know, with everything that he's brought is obviously appropriate to, to give him that associate head coach title. And, you know, Steve Magleby has also been mm-hmm. with me um, for five or six years. And, and they're just such experienced coaches. They could be head coaches anywhere. And so just fortunate that they've stayed around to hang out with us here at BYU. And I, I know they love the team and they love everything about BYU. And then the NCAA just uh, changed the rules starting July 1st where volunteer coaches um, could now be paid. And so yeah. so we were fortunate our administration allowed us to bring on Tasha. She was She's been at Minnesota when she's getting her PhD, and, and she's been at UVU as a goalkeeper coach for the last couple of years. So she was uh, excited to come um, back. She, she worked for Kalani for a little bit uh, in oh, the football. Oh, oh, you oh, remember I, Tasha? I, yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. know Tasha. Yeah, I do. I do, do you, do. Do you yeah. have to be a goalie? Did you have to play goalie to get on your staff? Well, yeah, because uh, I sure, certainly never have. And Brent was a goalie would. at Utah State, yes. right? And Tasha uh-huh. was a goalie at Utah Valley. Yes. I don't know what Steve, I don't know what position. Nah, was Steve, he a goalie? Steve played lots of different positions. <laughs> he's, he's versatile like me. He'll okay. be the versatile field player. So, so you don't have to be a goalie the, no, to, no. to do that? No, Just but a coincidence. Our, our keepers are in good hands, so uh, we're excited about that. All right, let's finish with the uh, five best games. Uh, under under your administration. By the way, isn't it kind of cool to walk around and go, I'm the only coach? <laughs> it's just kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> it just goes it's so like, who fast. came before you? No one. I know. It's just me. It's wild. You see you see alumni coming back with kids. They're in college now, and yeah, it's it's wild, but yeah, my, my, it goes I, fast. I have two boys, 11 and 7, and um, I one of, one of my teammates, when I was a senior, he was a freshman, his son is 13. So we celebrated a birthday together and they did, you know, and it was a couple of our teammates there and nobody really recognized me with him because he's almost like my height. Right. So, um, it was, it was, it's, it's, it's just weird. And yeah. especially seeing all my teammates, you know, obviously are like six, five. So right, their right. kids at 11 years old, 12, 10 years old are already <laughs> taller than me. Uh-huh. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy feeling, but it's also a cool feeling to see like, this is the next you know, generation. Right. Have you, have you offered kids like that? Like, like Kalani has? <laughs> I, I have had a couple. Um, I think he's, yeah. I think he's reached down to the eighth grade. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah. And I think there might be a rule now that you can't. There but is. Thank goodness. Would you, have, would you ever do that? And Gordon Eakin had a, an eighth grader who played catcher this year, but he offered when she was 14, I wrote a story about that. And I think there is a rule that says, okay. 
like in their junior high. I don't think you can mess with them in junior high. Yeah, because well, there was some. To, you used to be able to recruit them when they were freshmen. I had some Reckon committed actually to us originally when she was a ninth grader, uh, Liv Wade. So we've had to. Yeah. Uh, I know some eighth graders I'd like on the team right now. <laughs> I won't say names, They're coming. but uh, I know who they are. So yeah, we got to keep an eye on those seventh and eighth yeah. graders early on. For sure. All right. So we put the Portland game down on the list. The five best games under Coach Jen Rockwood. And we asked her to think about this coming in um, because she would know best. We, we, we study it all and all that, but a, a big game to us might not be one of the biggest games that you've had. Mm-hmm. And you've played, coach so many, many of them. Yeah. So Portland's one. Let's go down mm-hmm. that. Let's list the others. So one, one that came to my mind was actually one that we didn't win. Mm. But it was a huge game. Uh, and the season was 20, 2012. We were number one seed uh, going into the tournament, and uh, we had home field advantage, so we played our first three games at home, and then we uh, were able to host North Carolina um, in the Elite Eight. And um, that was a special game just because playing North Carolina. I mean, mm-hmm. I, when I was a young coach, I, would, I, would, I got my hands on every book and DVD that Anson Doran ever wrote yeah. or ever did or anything online. And, and so he was, he was an idol and an inspiration to me and just the history that UNC program had. And to have them on Southfield and yeah. the NCAA tournament, knowing that we were actually the higher seed. <laughs> um, and, and coming out to the field and the fans were already there. And you don't get that very much in women's soccer, but the fans were already in the stadium when we came out. And uh, that was just a really big time feeling. And we played a great match, but lost, ended up losing two to one. Crystal Dunn, who's actually been quite a star uh, on the women's national team, actually mm-hmm. scored the goal to beat us. Oh, really? Uh, wow. uh, that year in 2012. But that was a really special f- year for us, uh, even though uh, so I think it's one of the there's only two games we've ever lost in the NCAA tournament that I wasn't really mad about afterwards. And uh, one was the loss to North Carolina, and then one was uh, the Florida State Florida loss State. to PKs. Is that, is that because. You like like the 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 girls executed you know played almost perfect and maybe you know just that day yeah. the opponent is better because mm-hmm. I'm okay with that as well if we if I lose a game and I executed um, didn't make any mistakes but the man you know um, across from me was just more talented physically uh-huh. I'm right. okay. I could walk away yeah. but I can't what I can't deal with is the mistakes. Um, and not and, and knowing I didn't play my best was that right? Similar? And then I think these are the only two games I haven't been really mad about in my whole four hundred and something games. Oh wow! Uh, okay. So the championship but, but yes, game was, it was something. exactly because of that because we were playing. I mean, North Carolina they they they've won like twenty two national championships. Like playing UCLA and John. Yeah, Wooden. and they ended up actually winning the national championship that year okay. yeah. too. And so you know you're playing the best of the best. And, and you played him respectfully. It was an amazing game in front of a packed stadium. Yeah. You know, yeah. we thought we had it a couple of times. I was off the bench celebrating, and it was cleared off the line. And then they went down, and they scored. And then, and then yeah, Florida State was something super special. Again, yeah. playing the best of the best in the national championship game and, and knowing the level that our girls played at in yeah. that game. And, and um, what you had to do to get there. Exactly. And who you had to beat. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's how I, I kind of felt with both of those games because – we had to play two ACC teams going before we played North Carolina mm. at home and beat them at home. So, yeah. so yeah, some, some, some special, special memories for sure. Okay. Uh, two more. Um, I would say um, our first run to the Elite Eight, um, we beat Villanova in PKs. 
And so that was at that time, that was back in 2003. That was the first time we kind of broke through the Sweet 16. We had mm. been to the Sweet 16, I think, a couple times prior to that. But in 2003, we kind of broke through uh, in a PK match at, at Villanova. Nice. And I remember thinking, wow, going to the Elite Eight. We're yeah. going to UConn for Thanksgiving weekend. And it was freezing cold oh, and yes. windy. Oh, yes, miserable back there. We didn't play very well, dang it, the first half. Played really well the second half, but couldn't catch the game. Yeah. So that was a, that was a special game, too. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Portland beating them on the road. We've got North Carolina at home. Villanova to reach the Elite Eight. Were we counting the Florida State game? Was that one of them? I, I think so. I think you have to Because it's a championship. You've got to throw that one in. Yeah. And it was PKs, which, which oh. meant that you went toe-to-toe. And then it's you – know, and we saw it um, – we see it in big-time soccer. Uh, we're going to see it in the yeah. World Cup that's going on right now. It's – I guess left, they went right. That all it's, of a sudden, yeah. three hours is decided. I know. It's crazy. It's, 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 just, it's frustrating, for sure. Is and there a better way to do it? I don't know. They yeah. haven't come up with one in Because you've already done years, the two overtimes. So. Yeah. Somehow it's got to end. Yeah, you I can't think, have a tie in the I know. elimination it's, it's rounds. Tough, and it's something that you don't really ever get to do during yeah. the regular season. So what if they did like a two-on-two? Like two two? I know. Or, or, or they used to do, back in old MLS, I think they did like a 1v1 with the keeper, with the person yeah. dribbling at yeah. the goalie. But I'll be, it, I'll be honest, as a viewer, though, when yeah. it comes down to it's penalty kicks, you're right there. You're, uh, yeah. you're all in. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. all in. So some of those girls in, in those PKs of Santa Clara and Florida State really hadn't taken a PK since, like, they were in high school. Oh, right. really? You know, because we just, you don't run into yeah. it very often right. uh, unless you're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And we Did, won some and lost some in the NCAA tournament. It's a, it's a tough loss, but man, it's an exciting win. Yeah, for sure. For Did sure. the last World Cup, the men's World Cup, didn't it end in, a, in PKs? Wasn't it? Argentina? Yeah, wasn't it? Didn't it come yeah, down yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah, I think, think it Because so. we were just like, you yeah. two countries just yeah. on yeah. the edge. Well, the, and the NCAA tournament last year, too, did for the women, UCLA. Yeah, that's or right. A couple of years ago, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Last one. One of the the last of the big five. Oh, I think. Um, let's see. I think. I think back in twenty. I, I looked it up. It's kind of fun going over the schedule yeah. and looking it up. And I think. I think it was early on, even before two thousand and three. I can't remember exactly. I think it was maybe nineteen ninety eight. We were in the tournament and we beat Stanford at home. And I remember it was lots of snow. I mean, there was snow. It was one of those where you had to push the snow off the field. And there was yeah. four feet uh, banks of snow along, around South Field. But the oh. grass was as green as could be. And Stanford came in with these big, heavy things. They didn't know what hit them. And <laughs> we beat them six to one. And nice. it was just unbelievable. And then we went on to beat UCLA and then ended up losing to Santa Clara. Uh, in the Sweet 16. So some really fun, memorable moments at playing at the highest level against some of the best teams in the country. That's great. Five best games in in Coach's career right there. Um, all right, so uh, you're going to get the team at practice next Tuesday. Uh, and as you, you huddle them up there on the field, is this the most talented roster you've had in what? And you've had some super good teams, but, mm-hmm. but where is this group compared I think it's one of the top. I, I don't know that it's the top. We've certainly yeah. had some talented players uh, over the years. Um, I would say this is probably also one of the most experienced groups that's mm-hmm. returning. You know, COVID did uh, a lot of harm and a lot of, and a lot of frustration and, right. and all of that fighting through it. But, 
because of COVID, these guys are all getting their extra bonus year, as yeah. we like to call it. And yeah. a lot of coaches didn't keep some some of those players around, but we, we kept everybody and gave them that extra year, and it's, yes. it's going to pay off for us, I believe. So we return all of our starters from last season. So that rarely happens. You know, maybe you return Ever. six or seven, but to return 11 – Ever. You know, that never happens. And so, again, it puts a little pressure because our expectations right. through yeah. the roof right now. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a little bit of confidence and hopefully some swag because of how hard they've worked to get to this point, the sacrifices they've made, and just the experience they had. So I think the combination of, of talent, uh, experience, and leadership and resiliency that they've learned over the last three years playing at a pretty high level, we hope that that will be a big benefit and a big factor for us. You know what's cool, too, is um, it's finally the Big 12 and all that stuff, and the very first Big 12 (laughs) game is your soccer team against TCU. So you get to lead the whole university into this new frontier we're excited bring it on yeah. last time we played tcu they knocked us out of the tournament so uh you know got to get back yeah, at them yeah, that's right and and they are the they have been the best team in the big 12 for the last couple of years and we're a top 10 team last year so right from the get-go we're going to see what big 12 soccer is all about well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you know us as as athletes or just the athletic program and analyst fans wouldn't want any other program, you know, to lead us <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, appreciate that. This is this is the good, this is a really good year for us to be taking that step yeah. with with the group that we have. It, uh, you know, hopefully we'll set a high bar for the future. We're glad you could break away from camp and come hang out with us. And, <laughs> well, I appreciate you having uh, you, so, you told us you'd be back when we got the schedule, and uh, and we waited patiently, and, and, and it was great to get you a week before it all starts. So well, thanks. Thank you very much. Good luck this season, and, and we, we want you back whenever you want to send your players. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll love uh, the opportunity to tell your story. So the great Jen Rockwood, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, appreciate coach. it, guys. So it starts uh, Tuesday with practice, and then uh, – the blue-white game, chance for folks to get at Southfield and see a little bit of everybody. And then uh, and the big time kicks in. Uh, great to have the head soccer coach here. And she's built a, it, it, she's built a, a program that, um, that is nationally respected. Yeah. And we expect will be picked to be the number one preseason favorite in the Big yeah. 12. If not, number one, number two uh, with TCU. And then they can fight over that <laughs> in the very first game. And uh, I don't, I don't awesome how, roster. I don't see how... Um, they're not number one. I mean, you know, when she, when she said that, you know, all eleven starters were coming back, that doesn't happy happen in any sport, like right. in any on and any if level. The, if right? the Big Twelve media that vote on it or the coaches, if they're paying attention, that's yeah, a no brainer. Right? Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes people don't pay attention and cast votes anyway. Sometimes people are biased. They'll say, "Oh, well, you know, they haven't played a Big Twelve, a P five yeah, schedule, yeah. right?" You There's know, always that. Although that the in. WCC is a good soccer league, it's true, especially yeah. Santa Clara and BYU, been in the top ten forever. It feels like. Next week, Max Hall is going to join us, and Elijah Bryant. Elijah's back from Europe, and he's got his NBA. He's got all kinds of championships. Right. Uh, he'll be in studio with us uh, in August. How about this lineup? Jamal Willis, fourth leading rusher all time at BYU, and Nick Robinson will be here on the eighth. On August 15th, Tom Homo will be here. we got a lot to talk to Tom about. August 22nd, Hall of Fame and Olympic runner Henry Marsh. And Hall of Fame tight end Dennis Pitta. Nice. And then August 29th, 
uh, BYU and NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young and uh, former punt returner Vaisikahema, Elder Vaisikahema on August 29th. That's how we're rolling be into the Big 12 That's a good one. in August. Let's go over some campus notes and uh, pick it up with volleyball before we finish up here tonight. And we sure are grateful to have you on our live stream. And those of you still hanging with us, if you haven't let us, uh, if you haven't revealed where you're watching from, you still got time. We'll give you some shout outs as, uh, as we, we have our final few minutes. But yeah. women's volleyball is a big day tomorrow. Yeah, season tickets go on sale uh, tomorrow. Cougar Club members get the first shot at them um, on Wednesday at BYUtickets.com. Tickets are open to the general public on Thursday. And the season opener, August 25th versus Pittsburgh in Missoula, Montana. The home opener is August 30th versus LMU. And then the Big 12 opener is September 12th versus Houston. All right, and a question to answer from Glenn. Do Olympic sports have any NIL money that everyone has access can have access to NIL money. Um, and so, you know, that's the, that's the world we're in. Football has a collective. Yeah. And, and so some of it's a little more focused in, in groups, but these are groups also, uh, it's on an individual basis. And uh, uh, so that opportunity is available to athletes. So you thanks know, for the you, question. You know, the, the biggest opportunity is, is when, and that, this is just what I've seen around the nation, um, when, when Olympic sports when there's a storyline behind them, like a Cinderella type of storyline. And there's so many of those. I know. Yeah, I know, I know it. And, and, and so, you know, those usually don't get um, talked about from a, you know, from a national standpoint, as far as the NIL stuff. Right. Yeah. But, but, but if, if, if anybody or any team on the Olympic sports, if, if they have one of those Cinderella type of seasons, oh, these brands will become, knock, they'll come knocking. Bullseye, uh, writing in. Great guest tonight, like always. Thanks, Bullseye. You, you hit that right on the bullseye. <laughs> Men's basketball, the Big 12 schedule matrix came out since we were last on the air. Home and away for BYU will be, for the men, will be Baylor, UCF, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. Home only, Texas, Cincinnati, Houston, and TCU. Houston may, might be number one yeah. uh, coming uh, into the preseason poll, if not two, three, or four. Um, on the road only at Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. So BYU is going to have to wait for the Jayhawks to bring their legendary program yeah. into the Marriott yeah. Center. Yeah. Last year, by the way, according to basketball analyst John Rothstein, we talked about this this morning on BYU Sports Nation, uh, BYU, UCF, Houston and Cincinnati played an average of 9.8 quad one games last year, while Big 12 teams played on average 21. <laughs> <laughs> 21. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's Gonzaga and St. Mary's uh, <laughs> versus the entire league. And so that's what's coming for the men. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a nervous chuckle yeah. that, I just, that I just gave you <laughs> yeah. right there. It's going to be tough. Now, and, and how the women's matrix came out as well. Yeah, so... Um, Home and away, Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, and TCU. Home only, Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, West Virginia. I'm, I'm happy to see uh, Oklahoma in there. Yeah. And then away only, Texas. We're not happy about that. Yeah. We're hoping Shaley Gonzalez, who was a star at BYU and is a star at Texas, would come back. Yep. That's, and that's and Lauren Gustin would be able to reunite mm -hmm. in a showdown at the Marriott Center. They're going to meet, but they're going to meet in Austin. Right, right. Um, and then Kansas State is away only. Oklahoma State and UCF is away only. That's a, it's going to be tough. That's a, that's a tough travel. group for the BYU women as well. Delaney Gibb, give you an update on this young lady who we introduced you to on Wise Guys a short time ago on the night that she 
announced her commitment to play basketball at BYU. She's the number two rated player in Canada uh, at high school at her position, which is phenomenal. So she was on the Canadian under-19 national team, and they were over at the FIBA World Cup in Spain. Got to the round of 16, so the elimination rounds, and Canada beat Brazil 89-45, to and Delaney had nine points and six rebounds. In the quarterfinals, Canada beat Mali 82-69, to and Gibb had nine. In the semifinals, Spain beat Canada 77-70. to uh, Delaney had 13 points and six rebounds. In the bronze medal game, Canada beat France 80-73, to and Gibb scored 11 points, had some big shots in that one with three rebounds. Her tournament average was 10.3. She shot 42.5% from the three-point line. She's going to be a fun player to watch at BYU. She's still got a high school senior year to play through before she gets here, Um, but uh, she's got... She's going to be a special player. You know, and what's cool to see is it looks like, you know, her, her points or her performance, you know, continue to improve as the tournament went on. Playing against the, yeah. the best players in the world and uh, still just 17 right. on that team. Uh, anyway, she's, she's, she's good. Egypt's Jana Salman, who's on the BYU team this year, she averaged 11.1 points for her country uh, in the um, – FIBA World Cup in Spain. So there's an update on two future Cougars. One sooner than later, but the one coming later is going to be yeah. really, really good. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Jared Ward, former Olympian BYU track star and current BYU stats professor, uh, won the Desert News Marathon 10K as part of Pioneer Day celebration yesterday in Salt Lake City. He finished with a time of 27 minutes and 58 seconds. He ran the 10K in under 28 minutes. Uh, when 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 did he um, last perform? When 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 was when was his time at BYU? Uh, I have to check that. I want. I just. I just. I just want to get some hope for you know for <laughs> the, the alumni game. Coming it wasn't up next too year. long ago. Okay. Okay. So, um, but uh, I guess I can't be that you know um, hopeful because I was like, man, if he could do it, I could. I got to be able to get an interception this year. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> He's teaching at BYU. Um, and let's see, sixth place in the 2016 Olympics. So right around that time, he's okay. been a phenomenal runner. So he wins the 10K, and then another Cougar wins the marathon. I, you know, I hope, I hope that um, uh, all of the football players and the, the athletes go to him as, as a teacher for stats. For stats, mm-hmm. Jared Ward. Yeah, that's just, I just see that. That's like an easy A, I think. Let's give a shout-out to Mike Otteson, who won the Deseret News Marathon in 2 hours, 32 minutes, and 12 seconds. Um, yeah, 26.3. That's a, so we had a couple of Cougars represented up there in Salt Lake over the Pioneer Day holiday. On this day, let's roll out with some history. On this day in, uh, in history, July 25th, there's some cool things that happen on this day. I like this segment, even though it really has nothing to do with our show, but it's always like interesting, like, huh, that yeah. happened on this day? Yeah. All right, here's some things that happened. Well, I, you know, other than that, I, I learned um, a lot more than just it's th- this day, right? Like, a lot of this stuff I had no idea, so I appreciate this segment, probably more than you do. Um, 1860, first intercollegiate bill, uh, billiards match, Harvard versus Yale. Billiards. Yeah. They had a bowling thing. Oh, I see. I didn't, Why, I, no, is it, no, it's pool. No, it's, Yeah. Billiards. I, I have no, I have yeah. no idea. I was, I was yeah. waiting for you to explain. Cause it's, I was a, like, it's like on the pool table, billiards. It was Harvard against Yale. 
Anyway, that happened on this day in 1860. <laughs> I can't believe there was an intercollegiate showdown between Harvard and Yale in billiards. Uh, 1866, Ulysses S. Grant is named first general of the Army. Now, Sherry Dew was born in Ulysses, Kansas. That city was named after Ulysses mm. S. Grant. Okay. And she was with us a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Um, 1868, Congress forms Wyoming Territory, including Utah and Idaho. So that went down. 1944, on this day, Operation Cobra. U.S. forces begin a major offensive in Normandy with air bombardment. On this day in 1944, a very tough time for the whole world. 1956, uh, Roberto Clement hits Major League Baseball's only walk-off inside the park Grand Slam to lead Pittsburgh to a 9-8 victory over the Cubs. That could only happen to the Cubs. <laughs> a walk-off inside the park Grand Slam. I would like to see that. To that, lose the that, game. That, that video. The Cubs I, have a lot of different ways to lose. And, you know, right now we're playing pretty good. Did the ball get, like, hidden and stuck uh, who in knows? the wall? Something, something crazy had to happen. The guy went all the way. <laughs> Four guys scored while they were trying to chase down the ball. Way to go, Cubs. Um, 1964 on this day, the Beatles classic Hard Day's Night goes to number one, stays there for 14 weeks. Uh, how surprised are you? that I don't know. I never heard that song. Pretty surprised? No, not surprised. It was a great song. Reached number one. Came out, got to number one. No, I'm saying that I don't How know. How do the you song. not know the Beatles? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I, you, had, you know what? You can't judge me. You got to judge my parents. <laughs> <laughs> 1978, Pete Rose sets the National League record with 38 game hitting streak. Imagine that. 38 in a row. Billy Casper won the U.S. Senior Open on this day in 1983. 1987, Salt Lake Trappers set the professional baseball record with 29 consecutive wins. Actor Bill Murray uh, was part owner of the Trappers during that time. Isn't that amazing? Bill Murray, yeah, part of the yeah. team. I, when I met Bill Murray uh, on the set of Good Morning America in 1990, we were talking about him owning the Trappers back in Utah. Mm. Uh, and I just thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You own part of the Trappers? <laughs> and he did. He's been out to Salt Lake... Uh, um, and uh, he loved he loved the the Trampers baseball team. 1999 on this day, Lance Armstrong wins the first of his seven straight Tour de France titles, only to be disqualified years later for taking performance enhancing drugs, which, by the way, helped him win seven straight Tour de France's. Yeah, um, say no to drugs, all type of drugs. That's right. Thank uh, you, Bilo. 2012 opening ceremonies of the Olympic Summer Games in London. In London. It was cool. Do you remember in the opening ceremonies they had a skit with James Bond and the Queen and uh, they jumped out of an airplane. Of course, it was an actor playing the Queen and Daniel Craig. They jump out of the airplane and that's kind of how they, they started the opening ceremonies. Uh, you know, since James Bond's are such a British yeah, thing. Yeah. Anyway, they did a cool skit with that. And I thought the Queen was a good sport. Um, and uh, I don't remember anything else from the games. <laughs> I just remember that. On these uh, birthdays on this day, in July 25th, Walter Payton was born in 1954. Uh, 1967, Matt, Matt LeBlanc. Have you heard of Friends, the no. TV show? Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah, of it. I've never yeah, watched that episode. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I have heard of it, though, but never watched, never watched the episode. Or Seinfeld. 2001, <laughs> this might be the last time you're on the show. 2001, Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft this past April by Carolina. So he's got a birthday today. Uh, a couple of deaths on this day uh, that we want to mention. 1887, John Taylor, third president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, died on this day. And in 1997, Ben Hogan, 
go professional golfer, a nine-time major title winner, died on this day in 1997. Leads us to our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week from John Taylor. Philo? If we take good care of one another, God will take care of us. Well said. John Taylor. Amen. I want to thank Steve Clark, tight ends coach and soccer head coach Jen Rockwood for joining Wise Guys tonight. What an awesome pair. Uh, And uh, it was great to get an update on Isaac Rex and the tight ends. And, of course, the soccer team's ready to jump in there and, and go after a Big 12 championship. Next week, Max Hall, the winningest quarterback in BYU history, will be with us. Uh, they got a quarterback on their team, a Ty Detmer back down in Arizona, who's committed to BYU. Yep. So I'll we'll have to ask him about that. Elijah Bryant, great Cougar basketball star, now an international star with an NBA championship and I think two or three European championships. Mm-hmm. We're going to catch up on his story. He'll be live with us next Tuesday as well. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Look for it. Share it with your friends. And... Uh, and we'll just continue to grow this show. Uh, it was fun having everyone on the live stream, those who were on the live stream, identifying themselves. We tried to mention as many as we could. Uh, but it shows the global reach of Cougar Nation. Yeah. And yeah. this little show is someday going to be a little show. It's getting bigger. <laughs> but it pulls everybody in. Our goal, as Blaine said last week, was we want to create the, the biggest primetime social media live stream gathering of BYU yeah. fans uh, on a weeknight when there isn't one mm-hmm. all over the world. And then, uh, of course, if you miss us in the podcast and, and at ysguys.com, you can watch it at any time and, yeah. and keep tabs on what the Cougs are doing. What, you know, what, I, what I love about this format um, and, and the community that you're, that you're bringing or that you're building is uh, the users that are consistently coming in um, each week they start to form relationships as well. So they start to have, you know, conversations. Um, you know, they they start to interact with each other. And it's pretty cool to see how you, you know, a platform can bring different people around different, you know, around the world, different backgrounds um, with one commonality, right? But but then start to develop relationships, you know, in a digital way. So it's 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 pretty cool to see, you know, how you guys are, are developing and how it's growing. Technology is bringing us together, makes the world smaller. What I learned tonight is that you have never heard of Rush, the Beatles, <laughs> or ever watched Seinfeld, and yet we remain friends. Uh, you know, um, Jesus works miracles. <laughs> <laughs> we do need more Jesus in our life. For the great Brian Logan, I'm Dave McCann. Blaine will be back next week with Max and Elijah. Uh, We hope you have a great week. We're wrapping up. The next time you see us, practice will have actually just ended. The first one of the fall, the first official practice of BYU as a member of the Big 12. And and it's on. Oh, and by the way, next Thursday night on NBC is a football game. Mm. Jets and Browns. So it's just about here. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for watching the Wise Guys. And we'll see you next time.